this is the Sean Yankee Show. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. Today, we've had a national tragedy. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack. This episode of The Sean Yankee Show is being brought to you by the support of viewers like me. We realize the importance of independent media and truth in this time of mass deceit and propaganda. We have decided to fight for and support it to keep it alive. You can help us in this fight for truth. Contribute at patreon.com forward slash Sean Yankee. Thanks for coming to the show. It'll begin soon. Hey, everybody. Get in here. It is time again for the Sean Yankee Show. And tonight is a very special episode of the Sean Yankee Show. Once a month, we get a very special visitor. And it's that night. Tonight on the Sean Yankee Show, we have another installment of Paranormal with Triple P. So that's what's going to be coming up on the show. So you better get in here. You're going to have a fantastic time at the show tonight. I'm going to have a fantastic time. Everybody has a fantastic time when Triple P is in the house. So our paranormal expert will be here in just a little bit. But before he gets here, I have a couple things I want to go over with you guys and and get going with you before we get into Triple P tonight. And the first thing is you have got to share this out. So please like. Don't forget to like. If you're here on Rumble, that's our uncensored platform. Hit Rumble. That's what a like is on Rumble. So rumble the video over there, hit like everywhere else, and share this. Share it four, five, six times. Get this everywhere. We're going to be talking about some really cool stuff tonight. We always do when Triple P's here. But it's always important stuff on this show. So share it out. We're very throttled, very suppressed, and we depend on you to get out. And if you can support this show, please do. There are many ways for you to do so. You can become a monthly patron on Patreon. I would greatly appreciate that. You could donate to the show or you could buy some merchandise. We have 18 original t-shirts you could go get from our store and stickers and coffee mugs, all kinds of stuff. And I would greatly appreciate it. And it's what keeps the lights on around here. And it's what's going to make us able to grow and get out to even more people and be an even bigger show. So help us with all that. Please become a supporter if you can. And I want to let you know something. We cut back to one show a week for a little while. And there were reasons for it. 
And I think we're ready to go back up now. So we're going to go to three shows a week now. It's going to be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, starting Monday night. So the Sean Yankee Show will be back to three nights a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And that's exciting. So I'm looking forward to that. And maybe one day we get back up to the five-night-a-week schedule. So I'm still trying to adapt things and get everything lined up. But I do think we're ready for three. So we're going to go back up to that starting Monday night. So be here 8 p.m. Eastern Monday night. Don't miss it. And I don't know what we're going to do yet. I can do whatever I want. You know, the themes are random now. So anything I want. And then next Friday night is Babels again. Prepping with Babels next Friday on the show. And the other thing I needed to tell you about is Monday morning. You do not want to miss Monday morning's yank. You know why? It's the Valentine's Day yank. Me and Paul are going to have a romantic yank. It's going to be spectacular. His beautiful beard and me hanging out, talking conspiracy theories and all kinds of crazy stuff and just bro love everywhere. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a very strong, very romantic and very caring morning yank, Monday morning, the Valentine's Day yank. We're going to make it extra special for you. So you're going to want to come to that. But that's all the business I have for you guys. We have a fun night tonight, and I can't wait to get to it. If you need some fun, that's what we got in store for you. Philip's always a great guest. He always has fantastic stories and things to tell us about. So I can't wait to get to that. And as long as you've liked and shared, you did that, right? You hit like, didn't forget to do that, right? Smash them shits. You got to hit them buttons. We really need that. And it really does help us, you know? So hit them as many times as you want. Make sure you do it at least once and share this out. Get this everywhere. But if you guys are ready, I don't want to wait. I want to get started right away with Philip. And I'm going to play his intro and we're going to get going with it. So if you're ready, I'm ready. All right. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's How you doing, Philip Sean? Palmer, our resident paranormal expert, Philip Pope Palmer. Oh, let's not be going with words like expert. Enthusiast. Enthusiast? Yeah. Now, you're our expert. You know, like in, in the Bigfoot world, there's all these, and probably true with all of it, UFOs, ghosts. Um, there's so many self-proclaimed experts. Oh, and yeah. that always gets my goat, like, all right. Well, I shouldn't have said that. I mean, no, no. You. I mean, I take it as a compliment. great quad P. I take it. Yeah, quad. I got decided to add Paul's little. Uh, so, hey, Sean. Hey, uh, Joan, Lolly, Paul. Let's see who we got here. Lee. Yeah. Mark, hey to everybody at the live here. Bert, uh, Daniela. I wanted to get to them too. And I'm going to include you guys in the conversation. We always do. So, hey to everybody here at the live. And hey to Phil. How are you, Philip? I'm doing well. I'm doing well now. I want to thank you again, though, for doing this. I really appreciate you doing this. Second no, I, look, the thanks is all over here. I mean, you're allowing me a platform. I just have to jump on and put my ugly mug on the camera. I'm I love glad, having you. I'm glad the mics work, by the way, because when I was backstage or the green room or whatever you call it virtually, I'm like, 
I was doing the mic test and I wasn't getting mm -hmm. anything. Oh, so, really? It wasn't registering? Yeah. So. All right. Well, you're coming in fine. I can hear you great. Okay. Good. Good. So yeah, I've been doing been doing great. Um, you know, of course, I'm in, enmeshed in all the other stuff that we all are, um, and I remain very hopeful. I, I'm, I'm proud to see so many people uh, uh, standing up against what's going on. I mean, I, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, that is neat. You talking about the truckers convoy? Every, yeah, of course that. I mean, you know, of course I've got my, you know, for every conspiracy theorist, there's a deeper conspiracy theorist, and I've had tons of people tell me it's a, it, this is a, a planned psyop. You know, I've said that. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean it, no one that told you that. And everything has to be considered, doesn't it? Right. Right. right? Yeah. Hey, Paul. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um. No, but it, you know, I do feel like the overall feeling is it's possible we could win this battle. It doesn't mean the war, you know what I mean? Like they may have overplayed their hand. You see a lot of the mainstream news kind of backpedaling now and trying to act like they're the ones saying, oh, well, we know that children can be uh, developmentally and speech delayed, and which we've been talking about forever. You know, it's, 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 there, there are clinics out there putting out the – the news, hey, Danielle, um, that they're seeing in such a massive uptick in people with speech delays, you know, between like two and four years old. Right. Uh, you see, they're not getting enough oxygen. They have a developing brain. They're getting too much carbon dioxide. And as you know, in extreme conditions, carbon dioxide will just kill you almost instantly. Uh, but also, they're not getting facial cues from their parents who've got the things on. They can't learn to watch how the mouth moves or to read emotions, you need exactly to be right. Who's got a new chair? Oh, I do. This is a new chair. Oh. You can't really see it. I almost got the gamer type that comes up high, but it's got a high back pretty much. But the gamer not, type look more like an old school Star Trek. Back. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's the kind that all the streamers have that would have came up like this. <laughs> but like this is nice, though. It's padded and it's a nice chair. Yeah, that's cool. Triple digits was my price on this one. Ooh. I did a little Ooh. treat for myself. I sit here a lot. You deserve it. Yeah. This is a big party of what you do. The chair should yeah. definitely count. I spend a lot of time in this spot. No drum stools for Sean. Yeah. A drum stool would probably work good, though, because I made hey, it real good. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely wanting to bring a show about, you know, I've been through all the different, like, I got into Bigfoot. I got into ghosts. I got into UFOs and all that stuff. And then for some reason, I've kind of recently settled more on just like the Bigfoot thing. And I got to realize, you know, it's like not everybody's as into Bigfoot as I am. I am. And I spent a lot of time um, recently working on um, a lot of ghost stuff, paranormal ghost stuff. Awesome. But I scrapped it for this show. Oh. And I'll tell you why. Because there's so much fakery now with video. Yeah. You know, I really want to, not that I, I don't mind bringing in fakery. I can say, hey, what do we think about this? You know, it's fun. But I really want it to be a good, um, I mean, there may be a lot of fakery in the stories I'm going to share tonight. So, uh, but I, and I've even gotten back into the lake monster thing. I mean, do you guys remember the video of the lake van monster from Turkey? I think taken sometime in the 1990s. Like, I don't. 
This thing beats out any Loch Ness footage ever. It's clear. It's, it's focused. You can see the head of this bizarre head, and you can see the nostrils breathing bubbles out. Really? And you can also see that it's it's at least 40 feet long, okay? And this was taken um, where? In Turkey, in an area called Lake Van. Lake Van is so salty, only certain kinds of fish can live in there. Um, mm -hmm. And I'd forgotten about it, and then uh, it came up again. And also some amazing footage from Alaska. You know, Alaska has its own version of the triangle, just like Bermuda. And there's a lot of weird shit in Alaska. So I'll be bringing some of that stuff too, you know. Right. I just want to do more. I kept running in a lot of bad spots with this ghost thing. But, I mean, ghosts are, there's no, you know, look, I've had experiences, spectral experiences as a kid and even into my adult years. and So I definitely want to bring that stuff. Um, there, was a, there was a story I found recently about a guy who literally, since he's five, he's had either a ghost or a spirit or demon, I'm not sure what, stay with him forever, no matter where he goes. It's not like the place he's in is haunted. He's haunted. And the video evidence he's got of what's going on is pretty freaky, you know? So we're not going to do ghosts tonight. What are we going to do? We're going to do, well, I want to do, um, what I'm going to do uh, is a story based on a poem, uh, The Pied Piper of Hamlin. Um, and kind of go over the potential. Uh, it's not really paranormal, or it could be. It could, it's one of those things where it could be very mundane and very paranormal. And then I do have a couple of uh, Bigfoot stories that revolve around Bigfoot attacks um, en masse. Uh, um, one of them does hint at a paranormal possibility. And that's another reason why I'm... Because now more and more after my visits up to the mountains, I'm just convinced of the paranormal aspect of Sasquatch. You know, I think I've said before, you and Paul, yeah, the Lake Superior monster, and then there's um, Okanagan, the ok Okapogo. Paul mentioned the Lake Superior monster. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you and Paul and I have discussed before, and Paul seems to be pretty certain about the... Uh, the uh, paranormal or multi-dimensional aspect of, of Sasquatch. Um, I'm open and, to it. I'm open to almost anything, though. I'm open-minded. Well, I am, too. And, you know, I'm not always. Like, when I first got into aliens, I wanted them to be these physical creatures that were just like us, but just way more advanced. And I had this idea they were evil. Like, they were harvesting us for food. And, I, you know, I don't know. But and I'm not saying they're not physical, but you know, like a lot of people in here might consider they may be interdimensional. I think they're, interdimensional. I think interdimensional. Yeah, because I'm not even certain about the cosmos. And, I don't think know, their outer space is real. Well, it's like a lot of quantum physicists say there's no out there out there, right? It's nowhere it's to go. A hologram, right? It's lights the in the sky. Yeah. That's so, how I feel though. I'm not always right. I'm just so, yeah. using my logic and my senses. And that's what they tell me. I look. I'm. I'm. We're right in line with that. I. I. You know. I. The. The more. The more I move through life, the less I feel I can wholeheartedly believe in any of this physical stuff we're walking through. As a. It's. In other words, I can't believe in. It's something, but I don't know that what it appears to be is what it is. Dude, the main thing I know is that I don't know. There you go. 
That's as Buddha as I know for sure. Is that I don't know nothing for sure. Myself, I know other people have. It's as Buddha as it gets. Um, and that's the beauty of it: staying in the question. You know what I mean? Stay remaining open. Um, don't get distracted by them, or I'll stop showing. No, 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 no. I want to read that. You know, you can read it, but don't let it distract you. I don't want to distract you. Oh, I like being distracted. I know you do, but I hate doing it because you're such a good storyteller, and I feel like I throw you off. Well, no, but I want to comment. There are what, like what I remember. I was talking reading, about the comment I put. I'll read them if you if you if that'll make it easier for you. I want to. I want to. <laughs> I, now I got to read it. I got to tell them what I said. I put a comment up on the screen. It was Joan, and okay. she said, "You never know what you will bring into your home or your life when you buy used objects." She was talking yeah. about the ghost angle. I think. Yes. And it's I remember reading a story a about a haunted car that was bought off a used car lot. I think it's more the vibration of the life forces that were around that item. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Would it be Just more some, like that? I think some, we're connected to things. Some kind of memory that holds on that's not yeah. like to let go. Right. But it's like a good an energy because it could be there. a bad memory. It could be like like Jones suggesting, you know, there are positive memories and vibrations and there are negative things. See, I mean, kind of are doing ghosts. I know we are, and that's fine. Yeah, we can do it philosophically. We can do it philosophically without the anecdotes. I we mean, can I'm do fine. anything we want. I want you to know that you right. have full and, permission to do anything uh, you want. Um, you know, there's that whole uh, uh, line of science called epigenetics, where things pass down, you know, from generation to generation. Now in Epigenetics, they actually say you can learn to rewrite your genetics and your programming. But why would uh, spectral activity not be included in genetics? Of course it would. It's still all part of the whole thing. It's all one sandwich. You know, we're always trying to separate everything. Oh, that's the paranormal. This is the normal. Well, actually, the paranormal and the normal are all interconnected, right? You know, uh, so great comment, Joan, uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, she's yeah. just saying there too. Is she says spirits attach themselves to objects and go where the objects go. Yeah, I don't. And, I, and I, I don't think it's your spirit. I think it's like your energy. I think that I have unlimited energy that I'm putting out into things. Like I'm putting energy into this chair now. It's my new chair. I spend uh -huh. a lot of time in it. I, I expel a lot of energy in this chair. I think it absorbs things and has memory in it somehow. And maybe somebody will sit here and think of something, and maybe they think it's a ghost or spirit of me, but it's just my force absorbed into this item. And I think you can tell yourself or tell the chair and yourself what you want the chair to remember. Imprint. Lolly said it. Imprint. Yeah, there you go. That's I imprinted right. on these things. Yeah. So when you when you hold something of like your mother's or or your father's or you know your children's, it, it's imprinted, I think. It's, their energy. It, and that can that could be as real Thank as literally as a footprint. You see what I mean? Right. There's an emotional or spiritual imprint as well as a physical imprint. Exactly. That's why I mean. Another great comment uh, by Lolly and Sean. So I think that that's true, that's true though, but I, I wouldn't think it's a spirit. Because wouldn't you think that'd be awful? Like the idea of a ghost just to be stuck somewhere? Like in the movie Ghost, where he's like trapped. He's got to finish a task yeah. or something. He can't leave and, or interact with the world. He's just watching it. Wouldn't that be horrible? Well, all right. So to give to answer that, um, 
It would be horrible. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be worse than life on this hellish earth. It would be hell. Maybe that's hell. But there, there's all right. So there's a place on River Street in Savannah here called the Shrimp Factory, and and it's you know these are the those are the oldest buildings still. You know these are the ones when Savannah was first founded uh, by Oglethorpe. So the Shrimp Factory is like a three four story building. Uh, Somehow I, I lost the internet, dude. I'm sorry. Somehow we had a signal interruption. Okay, so I'm talking about it's a response to that whole thing we're talking about, where where, where the the postulation you made, where like, so th it was known that the next floor up above the restaurant, which was the where you got the linens and stuff for the tables, was haunted. You still out? I don't know. I think something just happened again. I'm having trouble. Maybe it it's looks good. like. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm on right now. Okay. Connected. I'm connected. Okay. Something yeah. happened though. I'm sorry for everyone else. In, in, no, it could know. be the ghost, right? It might have been. We pissed off a ghost. <laughs> you're talking about us again. And the you ghost in the machine. We made the ghost in the machine mad. They're telling us we're not getting it right. So this second floor level of this restaurant that I used to work at, the shrimp factory, um, uh, nobody was good with going up there by themselves to go get linens and napkins uh, and all that stuff. But the thing was that the, the kind of activity that happened up there was repeated over and over like it was on a loop. Right. There, it wasn't varied. It just was the same thing over and over. Yeah. That's why people imprinted on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love kind that of, word, I, Lolly. Thank you. Right. Imprint. Hey, Gerard, is it Gerard or Gerard? Gerard, Mal I think. Vena. Gerard Melvena is how I would say it. I don't know if I'm right. I don't know, I but I, I like the car. The, uh, yeah, the car is nice. Yeah. So, all right, I'm going to, I don't even know why I went here. It just, it, it found me. That's how I tend to do things. Just well, I kept notes. So you were going to tell me about the Pied Piper of Hamlet. Yes, of Hamlet. And then Bigfoot attacks Paranormal Angle. That's what well, we're doing tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's definitely going to happen. This is like, oh, yeah. just, this is just an interlude, okay? Oh, yeah. So, this is just structure here, not rules. Um, but, it, you know, information finds us, right? It, it, you, when you go looking for it, you find yourself sifting and sifting. And suddenly, you know, like, hey, I wasn't expecting something on the TV to scream and say, this didn't come from the TV, but it did find me. So for anybody who's not familiar, and I had to do a big brush up on the Pied Piper of Hamlin, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a poem by an author named uh, Robert Browning. Um, which was not published until 1842. It's just largely believed to be a piece of like, um, you know, dark, uh, like the Brothers Grimm kind of stuff, you know, uh, a dark tale of, of foreboding. And But there's, there's definitely, it's definitely based on something real. Now, when I use that term real, I'm using it very loosely right now, and we'll get into that. So... Um, this is Hamlin, Germany, and in apparently in 1284, uh, roughly 130 children, and I'll even use the word children in quotes right now, and you'll understand why later, uh, left or disappeared from the town. It's a very small town at the time. Um, you can vanished. 
Well, you well, I, I would use the word vanished in quotes, and you'll see why. So you can go to Hamlin now and access the town archives. And there is in the archives from 100 years later in 1384, it has been a, a, a card that says it has been 100 years since our children left. So this, so that's 100 years after the children supposedly left. That's pretty compelling. So the, the thing is, um, what are we dealing with? It, it, was this an accident where children died? Like somebody had postulated that there was a bridge that collapsed while all these kids were on and fell into a river. Um, another more kind of obvious thing would be a reference to the plague, right? Uh, um, because the story goes that this town, Hamlet, at that time in the 1200s was plagued by rats, plagued by rats. They were, they were gnawing on people's legs. They were killing people's cats. They were, they were eating up uh, uh, merchants' food. It, it, they, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this very colorful character comes into town wearing very, very brightly colored clothes, which was not normal, okay, and perhaps even an interesting hat. And he had a flute or some kind of wind instrument tied to his neck, and he approached the council, including the mayor of the town, and said, look, I can rid you. I have the talent to be able to rid you of any type of vermin or plague. You know, I rid this town of, of a mosquito infestation back in so-and-so, and, I, you know, I can, I can bring these things out and... But, I mean, I do need compensation, and he asked for a certain really, like, small amount of money. And the mayor was like, hell, I'll give you 50 times that. Do it, okay? So this is the traditional story based on the poem, too. He breaks out a flute. He starts playing a tune, and all the vermin, all the rats start coming out. And then he walks and the rats follow him down to the river where they actually just throw themselves into the river, much like a uh, uh, lemming going over a hill, you know, into their death and drown. Um, now, look, we, we can't. Pro so here's the thing. The uh, the mayor, the mayor was like, ah, you took care of this Pied Piper was not very, uh, not a very savvy businessman. Right. There were no contracts drawn up beforehand. He just commenced. And the mayor said, I'm not paying you. So then what the Pied Piper did was he conjured up a tune which led most of the children of the area out and away forever and ever. Now, um, I would like to add that... Um, that there has... there To back up some of this, one of the oldest buildings in uh, that town has inscribed on it. And, and that building is, is called the, the Pied Piper Home. And it has inscribed on it uh, that, you know, back then this man uh, literally took away our children. I'm, I mean, I'm paraphrasing it, of course. Um, let me see if I can reference it so I don't paraphrase it. I've got some notes here. 
forgiving for shuffling paper. This is the actual Pied Piper story. This is just the real story. Yeah, yeah. So the one I've always heard about the Pied Piper. So inscribed version. Yeah, I'm still I'm still going through the notes here. You're fine. Yeah. I was just making sure I understood. Okay, so inscribed on this building that goes back to that time almost. Like uh, this is one of the oldest buildings still in the town. AD 1284, uh, on the 26th of June, the day of St. Jude and St. Paul, 130 children born in Hamlin were led out of town by a piper wearing colorful clothes. After passing the cavalry near Kappenberg, they disappeared forever. So that's actually inscribed on a building that was built not long after this supposed incident. Um, hmm. And there, there are other, there are other quotes, of course, about this. So people started putting forth in modern times. Okay, what, what could have, what could have been? So we don't really believe that a Pied Piper came in and actually call he, you know, could call out the rats. You know, I mean, there's the dog whisperer, but you know. I mean, that's still far from this, right? So people started uh, putting forth, like, so did, did they die from some kind of accident? Well, usually even like, a, you know, an accident, uh, you're going to have survivors, some, right? Right. Then it was put forth that it was about the plague, you know? So we got this Pied Piper, you've got a reference to rats, and you've got 130 kids dying. But the problem with this is this occurrence is about 60 years before it's documented that the plague hit Europe. Not to mention, wouldn't the plague have also taken adults out, you know, at some point, not just children? Right. It'll, and, it, and I will add as a side note, when we get into the alien stuff, at some point down the road, we are going to go over the plague. Because boy, do I have some alternative information about what the plague may have been. Um, so there was another bizarre occurrence that occurred around that exact same time in England, Germany, and the Netherlands called Dancing Mania. Large groups of people, for some unknown reason, would start dancing uncontrollably for days on end until many of them died as a result of exhaustion. This is a pretty well-documented uh, thing that's also very separate from the story. Like I knew about the dancing mania well before looking into this. So that was another postulation. Had all the, in a lot of times the dancing mania seemed to occur in, in youthful or younger people. So do we have a case where 130 kids somehow fell prey to this weird dancing mania? Um, you know, still sounds very bizarre and hard to believe, right? Right. And for good reason. Then you have an English writer much more, uh, more recently, uh, William Manchester suggested that the Pied Piper was a psychopathic child murderer. And in this short course of time, had it found some way to entice these people, these kids, and kill them. And the for them never to be found. Um, so that's dark, and it's also yeah. possible, right? Yeah. 
Now, unfortunately, I'm going to bring us back up a notch from all the darkness. <laughs> Good. That was creepy as fuck what you just said. I mean, that has think to be about it. it. He, he that's slowly. a lot of people. Like, even Did I understand that right, though, that he would have slowly killed off all these children? Yeah. And, and you know, think about it. Even modern day Syracuse, some of them will brag of killing 100 people. Right. Usually they it's found out it's like 20 or 25. I, I'm this sure they're from people. one community, though, as I understood it. Yeah, one small community. Yeah. Usually these guys doing a lot. They're going, they're traveling around, you know, because right, they, right. there's too many patterns set in one city. Yeah. So the more so one thing I gotta bring up is like, and I've I've noticed this myself many times. Like when I I'm obsessed with Google Earth. And so when I look at our country and I look at Canada, um, in our country, less so than Canada, but there are still some areas where there are big swaths of forest, massive. Washington State, Oregon, you know, Northern California or Eastern California along the Sierra Nevadas going up into Northern California. Georgia has a lot of forested area. The whole northern Georgia area is just mountains and, you know, small towns. When you look at Google in Europe or England, which is part of Europe, any of those areas, it's like it's either cityscapes or farmland. It's all been cut up. There's not a lot of big forest anymore. But think back to the population of, the whole world back in 1284. I believe in looking into it, it's about 5% of where we are now. So there would have been massive, massive tracts of wooded land, you know. Right. And one of the theories is that um, there are these people that uh, their job was to go into towns and look for youthful people that not only were healthy and young and strong. So when we say children, maybe we mean a little older than that. You know how like your 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 grandmother thinks of you as a child, and yet you're in your forties, right? Right. Just younger. It could, be, it could be a much more loose interpretation that the children were just the young and strong of the area, yeah. and that these people uh, came into town. They were called locators. And they would look for people that were willing to, to leave town. Young people are going to be much more willing to leave where they were born and think of for this. the promises of riches, basically chopping down trees. Think about it. Back in 1284, hand axes and saws. That's grueling work. And so they would lure them in with the promises of riches. And the interesting thing is what I found after digging is these locators wore very colorful clothing, which is unusual for the time. And so it could be just simply a fact that somebody or some people came into town and appealed to these people. And so it gets back to the quote, a hundred years ago, we lost the youth of our town. They left for something better or something they thought was better. They may have loathed it afterwards. You know? I think you've cracked this one, man. This right here, I think, is what it is, that they lured their young people away. Yeah, and, and they went out because uh, the area south of the Baltic Sea, which is now Poland, but it wasn't then, that was ripe for German, German occupation. And what's interesting now is, if you notice, even into modern days, there are in Germany, this is what I looked up and found out, there are quite a few German names, surnames, still prevalent in 
Poland to this day, and I'm not good on pronunciations, but I looked up if you aren't, but not like the word I aren't or you aren't. It's like A-R-N-D-T, aren't. Okay. Stefan, Booch, Nietzler, Jaeger, and Wegman are still prominent names in Poland today. And as you know, the Polish language is pretty different from German, so it's kind of interesting. I don't know that the case is cracked at all. I just think I agree with your last theory that you just presented. Me, personally. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought it was an interesting story. It's, it has it the potential for paranormal uh, and also the potential for very mundane, which I always like when a story kind of can, can vacillate from, you know, very bizarre to perhaps this is this is nothing that we thought it was. And we've got to, we, you know, so um, what I was going to get into after this, you know, um, Unless anybody wants to comment, I've not been reading the comments, and you don't like me to get. I didn't mean to do that. I I don't mean to make you feel bad. I just don't want them to break your train of thought. You just know I'm ADD. <laughs> well, I know that you. It's it, when you get a thought going. Sometimes, if something throws you off, you don't. You lose it. Right. Yeah, I do. You're right. Usually, I'll find my way you back. Know, like uh, there's been some. Might be after the show when I find my way back. <laughs> no, Lee asked. Uh, the orphan trains from rejects are planned. Like uh, during the World's Fair research, I found all this other stuff about these uh, mass displays of babies. You ever heard of that? Where no. they, yeah, uh, around the same times of the the older mass World's displays? Fairs. Yeah, there was this one display where they showed like I don't remember how many, but it was tens of thousands of babies at one time. They displayed them in these like incubator systems that they were showing off, but they had tens of thousands of babies i don't remember where it was but where'd they come from is there's all these questions and then lee brought up orphan trains at that same time while i was doing that research this stuff came up but this is something else he was talking about moving around okay. large amounts of children well i, I, I want to look into that that's, that's yeah, about. Thank yeah you, large amounts of children being displayed and then being moved around Ooh, yeah it's creepy stuff <laughs> that sounds very and then, Craig said hi. He just stopped in, and then Gerard. To go, brother. Hey, I know you are. So you. Yeah, Craig's here from Australia. So like, it's a lot later there. I think it's. Uh, I want to tell you, Craig, if you're still here, and even if you're not, I'm obsessed with Australia and Australian accents. I'm obsessed with crocodiles. I'm obsessed with my favorite band from Australia, The Church. Not from Australia. My favorite band. Period. Or church. The church. Yes. We've Uh, talked to them before. Uh, yeah, yeah, and show. yes, I have. And uh, every single dangerous animal, the most dangerous animals of the, oh, like, look, all ten. Dangerous. Ten. I'm putting up four fingers and saying ten. <laughs> all ten of the most venomous land snakes live in Australia. I'm Plus, sure they have venomous sea snakes. Plus, they have the box jellyfish, and then they have the What's blue the box jellyfish. It's this teeny little jellyfish that if it gets your ass, you're gone in minutes if you don't really? have. Yeah. Same thing with the blue ring. It's dangerous there. Why do people even swim on the coast? They've got the biggest great white sharks. They have the biggest crocodiles in the Northern Territory. They've got the dingo, which ate your baby, right? <laughs> Be careful, Craig. They've got 
They have got uh, the Yowie, which is the Australian version of Bigfoot, which appears to be way more aggressive than the American version. They have a more aggressive Bigfoot. Yes. Australia has the most dangerous shit. They have everything. And they were colonized by criminals, by English. The, the English put through the... You know, yep. It was a prison place. They, they sent yeah, all the prisoners there. That's right. That's right. That's how it began. So it's hilarious to me. But I'm obsessed with Australia. I want to go there someday. Get this. you got to get this. Okay. Non-paranormal. Totally an aside. Totally just a reaction to my own comment. you got to know this. Okay. Okay. My mom... Um, there was a guy that grew up here uh, named Billy Keating in Savannah. And he, he took on my mom as like his other mom, right? And she took on him as her other son. She loved Billy. Billy moved to Italy way back when he was young, a young buck. And yeah. was a, he got involved in fashion photography in Italy. And through his connections in fashion photography... He wound up becoming a major, major art dealer in, in London. Okay. So we're talking about a guy who hobnobbed with Mick Jagger, Tina Turner, the royalty, all these fucks, right? Yeah. He had a five story flat. Can you call it five stories a flat? <laughs> I don't know what a flat technically is. Well, it's like a, it's like, I've English. heard it. English calls it. That's their apartment. We say apartment. They say flat. okay. Well, you can have a five-story apartment. He had a five-story five house. Sure. He had a, a slew of cars: Jaguars, Mercedes, Rolls Royces. He had a hand in selling a. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember if it was. Uh, I think it was a Van Gogh that sold for eight million at the time. Really, he contacted my twin brother Kim because my twin brother Kim was totally into cars. He was into cars, into engines. I don't know any, anything about that shit, right? Like yeah. I used to joke about dual banana pipes, which is just something I made up, right? Yeah. Um, Kim was totally into cars. He knew all about them. He contacted my twin brother Kim when he was probably 18, 19 years old. He goes, I will pay you a huge salary to move to London live in my five-story place, and drive my cars around. And when something's wrong with one of them, you don't mess with it. You just take it to the mechanic. Ken turned it down for his girlfriend, which turned out to be a nightmare, I might add. <laughs> I didn't get any kind of offer like that. Not that I could get an offer for cars. Right. He, offered, he offered my other brother, Jimmy, to come to come live on his 200-acre farm in Australia on the coast next to Olivia Newton-John and just help take care of the farm for a huge salary. Because, see, you can't just move to Australia. You you either, with Australia, you either have to show that you've got a skill that Australians can't do or you got to have a lot of money. Really? Here he had an inside from Billy, and Jimmy turned it down. They both turned it down. I'm like, you motherfuckers! I never got any kind of offer. Like, you know, would you have gone? Off. You'd have gone there if he had made me an offer to go to England or Australia. Like, I don't know. I just want somebody who's funny because that's about all I'm good for, right? <laughs> I'd be like, I'm there, dude. I will take care of your ranch next to Olivia Newton John, right? Or well, you would do it anyway. Total aside, it just I just I thought about it. Somehow we, you know, how those things go. So they turned down your dream. 
I'm not saying I ever dreamt about it, but if somebody offered me to go cool, to, at that time, I wasn't obsessed with Australia like I am now, but just to do something different, right? Just to get outside of yourself and go, you know, I know people that do that. I know the people that, that, that I used to work with a, a waitress at a barbecue restaurant. She was from England. She just constantly traveled. She didn't want to have, she had connections everywhere and she went everywhere. Her whole thing was living life in different places and not caring about being able to manage a mortgage or any of that stuff. It was, I was impressed I, and I'm jealous, you know, because I never did that. I haven't either. I um, haven't traveled much at all. Me either. I'm right there with it. I'm not right, at all. Never been abroad. Probably been to ten states at the most. You know, I would love to do, though. Yeah. Oh, me too. Well, there's a lot of places I'd like to go. Yeah, yeah. In some places, besides Australia, would you love to go? Besides Australia, uh, I'd like to go to Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Um, yeah, or several Brazilian countries. Although, I, I'm even interested in Mexico. But you know, like look, why Brazilian those, countries? Why there? Uh, just the beauty, the beauty. Yeah. The beauty. Yeah, I'm a wildlife guy. Like, you know. Right. That's my thing. Like, you know, I'm obsessed with crocodiles. And, and I think you do. If you don't, you do now. I know you've mentioned them a lot. I didn't know you had an obsession. Oh, I'm obsessed, I'm obsessed with crocodiles and alligators. And there's a deep psychological thing that we won't go into tonight. But. Oh, there is. You've broken it down. Well, I had a therapist help break it down for me. Wow. Somebody outside of me that can see it better than me. Yeah, and it's dark. <laughs> what would you expect? Right. So let's move, if we can, to the eight canyon attacks in Mount St. Helens. Okay. This would be in the eight, Bigfoot attacks that were in the 1920s. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Did, did you get that picture? I've got to backtrack for a minute. Did you get that sure. picture I sent you? I did. This one here? I tried to show it to you just through my camera the last time or the time before. Yeah. I want y'all to get a good look at that. That's my shower door. If you can see in the back, that's like a little cubby where the shampoo and stuff is. Mm -hmm. When I was on the inside of the shower, I started noticing this weird kind of thing forming as the steam built up, right? Yeah. So I wasn't sure what it was, but when I got outside of the shower and looked at it from the outside, it was much more clear like you're looking at it now. I mean, this is a very dark, like, okay. And so to preface it, occasionally if Elliot comes running in the bathroom while I'm taking a shower, on the inside, I'll make a real goofy alien face or something or a smiley mm -hmm. face for him. Yeah. But the thing is, the next time I take a shower, the steam doesn't reveal that anymore. And I now know the reason why, which I'll explain in a minute. This thing here has occurred over and over and if like for me what i'm seeing is almost it looks almost creepily like you know one of those wartime gas masks but kind of converge with an alien and what That's i can funny. tell you what i can tell you sean with 100 percent certainty is that i didn't do that and my wife didn't do it and my son didn't do it because he doesn't have the artistic ability to articulate that way yet so what I finally did for a test was, what I realized, I thought, well, every time I do these imprints on the inside of the shower for Elliot, my fingers are already cleaned and scrubbed of oils. 
Okay. And so I went into the shower without cleaning my hands before I did it. And I ran my fingers across part of the, the glass on the door. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, those prints came over and over mm-hmm. and over again. This image is still coming up because I refused to clean it with soap. I want to see how long it lasts. It was not done by me. It was not done by my wife. It was not done by Elliot. And it, yet it is clearly articulated. You can see that it's articulated, even if you think it's weird or bizarre, right? Right. Now, the reason I bring this up, because that happened a few months ago. Now, uh, I wanted, I want you're going to have to tell me if the, the camera is trained on this. Um, I can make you bigger. Okay. Yep. Can you all see that? That's a yep. section of one by one wood. Now, it's sawed because I was doing some work. That is one by that is from a piece of one by one by eight. Okay. And that's what I made my deer fencing with because the deer have been devastating our crops when we when we grow our gardens, right? They just there's so many out here and there are no natural predators that they they're eating foods they wouldn't normally eat and they're up at times of the day. See, Joan sees it. They're up at times of the day they wouldn't be up. And it's been a problem for a couple of years now because I kind of live in what you would call the country and the city. Okay. We have a lot of animals out here, but we're, you know, we're just two and a half miles from, you know, any town USA or whatever you want to call it. So I've had a lot of stick structures in my backyard. I think I've told you about that occur since I made contact with what I think of the Sasquatch in the mountains. Uh-huh. I've had some very insane stick structures in the back. You know, oh, really? mostly, yeah, they're yeah. on the ground. They're like glyphs. There's been more since the pictures you sent. No, 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 no. But Those were cool though. But so after this event occurred, with this thing being inscribed on the uh, on the inside of my shower door. Yes. Let me backtrack a little bit. About two months ago, so the deer fencing, something had broken that one of the corner one-by-one pieces of wood. Now, those one-by-one pieces of wood are eight feet tall. The reason I got, the reason I bought them eight feet tall is so I could drive them two feet in the ground and that I'd have still a good tall six feet of fencing. And the fencing is what's called deer fencing. It's nylon fencing. It's a mesh. But it's a very big mesh. Like every square is like an inch by an inch. It's not a fine mesh at all. Um, so at first I tried wrap. I know I've got to get. I've got to keep you y'all's attention on this because this is kind of weird. So I built a, a framework of those one by ones. Like I built a, a huge square. You know, maybe thirty by thirty feet. Okay with pinpointed by each of those one by one by eights. And then I put more one by one by eights in between each two corners just for more reinforcement. I was going to try to take that that nylon fence deer mesh and just wrap it around the fence completely in without cutting it. Okay. But because the ground was so unlevel and so uneven, that wasn't working. So what I had to do was cut one section to go to the next section of wood. There's a reason I'm telling you all this very boring, mundane stuff, okay? Okay. So then 
is I brought the, uh, so what I would do is I'd use these really large, strong zip ties to tether the mesh fencing to one of the posts, and then I would bring it, I would measure it out, cut it, and then take it to the next fence post, and then pull it tethered to with to the to the post with uh, the zip ties. So in other words, instead of rolling one whole roll of the stuff around, I went from one by one by eight to one by one by eight with a section of this deer nylon deer fencing, and would tether it with zip ties. And, and I want you guys to think about this when I give you what's happened and see if you can come up with an explanation. So a couple of months ago, after having done this fence, one of the corner posts was completely snapped down to about 10 inches off the ground or less than that even. The post was snapped. Now, I, I could not snap this post with my hand, my hands. But I could, I speculated, if a deer was running really fast and didn't see it and ran into it, maybe it could have snapped that post. So you had a down post, and obviously that meant deer mesh fencing on this side of the post down and deer mesh fencing on the other side of the post down. Well, I got a new deer post, uh, I nailed it back up, and I redid and bought more of these uh, zip ties. And so what I'm saying is I zip tie these things individually. So there's one section zip tie. Then I go get the other section that was broken, and I zip tie it individually. What I'm trying to say is I didn't bring both those sections of fencing together or the post and use one zip tie to tether them. They're each tethered separately by their own zip ties. Well, last week while I was doing, so, I hope you're still with me. I'm probably, I'll probably put everybody to sleep by now. I'm trying to visualize it, but I think I got it. All right. So last week when I was pulling out a bunch of roots and stuff and trying to fix some fences, some cyclone fences back there, uh-huh. uh, I noticed the fencing was down, but the post wasn't broken, but one section of that same fencing was down again. Well, what like happened? Taken have, down. Well, think no, about no this. Posts so, were damaged that time. Well, so think about this. If a deer tried to jump the fencing and misjudged and hit mm -hmm. the fencing, either the zip ties, either the zip ties would have to pop, yeah. or the squares that make up the mesh would have to pop for it to go down. So when I looked at the fencing, the it the edge, the, the, the leading edge of squares, none of them are popped. And the zip ties not only aren't popped, they're not there. And they're not on the ground. So the only conclusion is something either came up and found a way to un have you ever been jailed and putting those big zip ties by the police do to you? I've never been zip tied, but I it's, it's worse I, than hand. I can imagine it. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like it would be. It feels it's like it'd be hard really to manipulate the little piece on there to undo those zip ties. Yeah. Somebody or something either had to come and up undo the zip ties and then leave with the zip ties, or they had to snip them or break them and leave with them. I mean, right. a deer couldn't do that. No. A deer can't. running into the fence would either snap one or the other. And the zip ties are much stronger than the mesh on the fencing. So in my view, the mesh on the fencing on the edge would be popped where they were tethered to the zip ties. Does everybody get that? I get it. Deer, Crocodile fills. There would be evidence of zip ties. Columbo would be the first to tell you. He would come back in the room and be like, there would be zip ties laying on the ground or somewhere. All right. I really went on a stupid tangent there, but. I get you. Something's messing with your 
your your offense because i sent you that picture and to me that picture is still completely unexplained okay like I, I can't explain it. Well, I think you came close to explaining it, actually, when you talked about it being written by a hand that is unwashed. So the oils are still on the fingers. So it was done by somebody who's not just used soap to clean their fingers off. So let me give you this. People have often found handprints and fingerprints and finger stretches on the windows of their houses and their cars' windows in areas where there's suspected Sasquatch activity. But the thing about this is as bizarre is how am I to believe that a Sasquatch, while we're still in the house, in bed, got past us in the bed and into the shower stall at night? Because this had to happen at night. She's talking about the fencing, but, you know, getting in your house could have been tools and dexterity as well. She's saying think, that it would require tools and dexterity. I, I, I I'm, I'm back to the metaphysical. I'm back to the paranormal for all of this, right? Because yeah, apparently Sas Sasquatches have very oily fingers and hands, and there's a lot of... Well, maybe no more oily than ours. Oh, way more. So, like... You think? Well, based just based on evidence. Like a house in Florida that continues to have an activity, something went up against their sliding glass door on the porch, and I mean, it was just like split. Oh, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm confusing the matters, but that's okay. You're doing great. So I want to get into the uh, Eight Canyon story. Okay. And this was from uh, the 20s? The 1920s, yep. Okay. Eight um, Canyon. So there were a group of prospectors in the early 1920s. Uh, Fred Beck, Marion Smith, his son, um, uh, Roy Smith, uh, a guy named uh, something Laferve. I'm forgetting his first name. Laferve, Laferve sounds French. Okay. French and a guy French. named John Peters. All right. The five of them, um, they went up to this area, and this is a rugged, rugged area. This is Mount St. Helens. Okay. And to, to the point where they're even having to go over rope bridges to get to where they're going. No, so I this, cannot do that. So, and this takes multiple trips because they're bringing tons of gold mining gear. So they're having to go up there, bring what they can, go all the way back, get more. And they built a cabin. They built a cabin. I don't know why they did this. And I'm just giving you the story as it's known. They okay. built a very small windowless cabin up there somewhere near the drop-off to the canyon. Okay. Because that's where they were finding they were finding a lot of gold. All so right. once they really got up there and got settled, within a couple of days in 1922 in the summer, one of them, I don't know who, I don't think it was um, – I don't think it was Fred Beck or Marion Smith who tended to be the two main dudes of this story. I, it, it was probably maybe it was Marion's son. Okay, so whoever it was, what happened? He came running back to the cabin frantically, saying, "Look, I found something really weird back on this sandbar by the river. You got to come check it out." So they all go out there and they find these two footprints, two footprints right off the water on this sandbank that are 18 inches long by about six inches wide 
and then there are no more footprints. And yet the substrate is still just as pliable much further on. Uh, Marion Smith said it, it, it was if something came down from the sky, put in two foot impressions, and then went back up. So that's the only kind of inkling in the story that you get that there may have been a paranormal situation going on. So as time went on from 1922 on, they kept finding more and more of these foot tracks in different areas. And they never knew what to make of it. They thought it was weird because they were very human-like, but they were massive and they were flat-footed with no arch. Okay. Well, eventually things escalated and they would occasionally be there and they would hear these massive thumps or thuds. You know, like some of them couldn't know. They didn't know how to describe it, but one guy said it just felt like some, it almost felt like you could feel it, but it felt like the biggest ape you could ever imagine thumping his chest the way a gorilla does. He actually said that without having yet seen anything. So like a fleshy thump sound. Yeah, but big, okay. like earth-shatteringly yeah. huge, like ridiculous. Some of them thought it was like rocks being thrown on the ground, like stones. So at that point, yeah. they were getting a little spooked. Yeah, And there was talk about maybe we need to go down the mountain. And Fred Beck said, look, I really need to go down the mountain to go see a dentist about one of my teeth. And Marion Smith said, God nor the devil is going to take me off this mountain right now because of the goal they were finding. Right. And so um, this keeps increasing, and eventually uh, at one point, the uh, uh, Marion Smith and uh, Fred Beck go outside. It's getting towards evening, and they're here, they hear a whistle, like a human, but louder than a human, you know, like a super loud whistle off to one side of where they are, and then it's responded by with another whistle, and then they start hearing the, the thumping, the, the whatever that is. Right. Well, they look across a ravine over to another body of land, and they see what Marion described as this was a seven to eight foot tall ape man standing kind of behind some pine trees, but partially exposed. Well, Marion lifted up his gun and took a couple of shots. Okay. And later, uh, um, Fred Beck said, I can see the bark coming off the tree that they hit. And he's like, at 100 yards, you can see bark flying off the tree. He said, try it for yourself. So then the thing disappeared, and they found it. Suddenly they saw it about 200 yards away as opposed to 100. And Fred Beck took a couple of shots at it, but he, he said clearly, I don't, I don't think I hit it. So it was getting towards evening, so they headed back. And um, once they got back to the cabin, the other three guys said, okay, so what warranted gunshots, you know, right. to which they didn't really want to answer to them. And then I think it was Fred Beck who stated at about midnight, something hit the cabin so hard that the chinking in between the logs was knocked out, creating little, 
crevices or spaces. Now, I'm going to point out a few discrepancies in this story. Now, and I will add ahead of time that Fred Beck, with the aid of his son, did eventually write a book about this. He was the only one that that, that did. But uh, um, I don't know what the moon phase was, but they said that they peered out of those crevices between where the chicken came out and could see these large beings running around the cabin. And what they appeared to be doing was throwing stones and rocks at the cabin. And at one point, it was evident that they jumped up onto the roof and were jumping on the roof of the cabin and smashing on it. And they were trying to shoot their way through the roof uh, and out the sides of the cabin. And then apparently they, they, um, they, they got to where they would only shoot if, because this was happening, I don't know what the time increments were, but it was sporadic. It wasn't like an onslaught that just went on every second for hours. It would happen. It would happen huge. And then some time would go by and it would happen again. They decided to only shoot when the attacks were occurring, not only to help care, because they had a lot of, this is a windowless cabin, you know, that they got a lot of smoke building up from the gunshots. Well, I imagine, yeah. So that has to clear. But also what Fred Beckwith said is an is a, a, a effort to show we are only shooting in defense. But here's the thing. So this gets back to the whole Bigfoot attack thing. Because we talked about it before, because there's a lot of pumped up stories um, about, you know, Bigfoot taking people and shredding them and, you know, eating them or disappearing them. In this case, if the story is even true at all, what do we have first? We have humans shooting at them. So clearly an instigated attack, you know? Um, right. Now, after shooting through the roof or attempting to with some large caliber rifles, this is a, this is a detail I find hard to believe personally. So let's say that the chinking has been knocked out between the logs. Well, those are crevices. Those are going to be little, you know, areas about that wide, I'm guessing. Right. They said it was a windowless cabin, but they said yet yeah, a massive arm came through one of the crevices and feeling around grabbed an axe that was hanging on the wall and tried to pull it through. And Fred Beck put it so that it couldn't go through. Well, I, I have, do have big issues with that part of the story. Like a massive arm can't go through a crevice. No. <laughs> like, now, right. that, I haven't read Fred Beck's book, and I probably should see if I can seek it out online. I mean, obviously, it's going to be... It might be an interesting read. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's some detail I don't know about to where an arm could get through or where they'd shot enough holes into the cabin themselves. Um, but so this onslaught went on for hours through the night. Okay. And they were absolutely terrified. Um, one of the persons, you know, was, was claimed to have actually shot the arm of the one that had put its arm through and ripped it out. Well, next morning, as sun comes up, they kind of timidly decide they're going to crack the door open. And they do. They open the door because the cabin was at once their safe place, but also just a, a prison of horror at the same time, right? Right. They open up the door 
And there's one standing not too far away near the precipice that goes down into Abe Canyon. And it turns and looks at him and it says it wasn't angry. It was totally, it was completely like, the look on it, it just didn't seem to, and they did try to describe what these, Fred did try to describe what these things looked like. But it didn't look concerned. It didn't look like anything. And Fred Beck took three shots at it and it supposedly plummeted off the cliff and Fred Beck estimated that would have been 400 feet down. So from that point forward, they made, they booked it out of there. They left all of their equipment roughly estimated at $250, I think, which would now be like probably $3,000, $4,000 worth of equipment, including dynamite and all kind of other stuff. But they did take their gold supposedly with them, but they also had given up their, they were giving up their, 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 their secret spot because they had not told anybody where this place was because they wanted the other people coming in. Um, and so the story gets weirder. So they had agreed to not tell anybody about this. But no sooner had they got down the mountain and into town than somebody leaked it out. And it got into the local news and it made it into the national news. And the next thing you know, hey, Lo and behold, what do you know? Fake news is nothing new. These news uh -huh. agencies were faking pictures with these prospectors. They weren't even the same people. They were showing photographs of foot casts that were not the tracks. They said you could like you couldn't get tracks around the cabin, which is where they claimed to get them because of the substrate there. You could get them. They were finding these casts further away, these tracks further away. So they away. sensationalized the story, the media. Yeah, clickbait is nothing new, right? So, right. Uh, you know. So this was the Inquirer times before the Inquirer. Yeah, and, and probably some of your big mainstream newspapers. And they claimed that they had gone back up to the area with the prospectors. All the prospectors said, no, we've never been up there. We'll never go up again. You have to go across so many dangerous uh, footbridges. I don't think any of those journalists would do that by themselves. You want to say hey real quick, buddy? Hey. Yes. How are Good you? Day. Hey, Elliot. I was He's hoping we get an Elliot drop in. Yeah, this is he's sporting it. So come here. You're not in the camera. You're sporting, sporting your new, uh, new clothes there. Oh, like, nice. Crazy stuff. That's and nice. I like that. All right. Tell them night-night. Night-night. Night, buddy. Thanks so, for stopping by. So after all the hubbub kind of died down, um, Fred Beck, as I had said earlier, uh, decided to do a book, which was actually written by his son, transcribed by his son, as he told it to his son about what happened. That's why I'm really intrigued to to read this because I can go either way on this. The reason it's supposedly called Abe Canyon is because of this incident. Instant. There's a series of canyons there all referred to as Abe Canyon. Um, okay. Now, the thing I don't know is since none of these other four characters appear to have ever been like really interviewed that I know of, we're all kind of hanging on uh, Fred Beck's testimony. And what I find interesting is he didn't come out with us until 60-something, oh, sorry, 40-something years later in 1967 with his book. If his book had come out a couple of years after the incident in the 1920s, 
I would absolutely be sold on it because even though there have been newspaper reports going back into the 1800s of what they called mountain devils or they didn't have the term Bigfoot. He didn't use the term Bigfoot. But there was no kind of like mountain devil mania. They would just be these occasional reports of so-and-so saw a mountain devil, a hairy blah, 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 hairy man. Right. With that kind of detail, and it also mirroring some of the things that we actually know about them now, like flat-footedness, which that does lend credit credibility to it, and the fact that we do know there, there are many accounts of foot tracks in the snow that just suddenly disappear. Or would you think that the Bigfoot did backtrack perfectly and he had track to fool somebody or what? Right. So when he released his book, he also admitted that he felt like they were paranormal and he felt like UFOs were paranormal. This is the interesting thing that he stated was that UFOs were here to help usher us in into a higher intelligence and a higher age. And even though he acknowledged Bigfoot were interdimensional and paranormal, he said they're just here doing their thing. They don't. They're not trying to. I find that a little weird, personally. That uh, you're acknowledging this thing is obviously way more advanced than. It seems he came a long way from when it actually happened and how he felt towards these beings. So what he said in the books now, what he said in the books was that prior to going up to the cabins, he claimed he was clairvoyant and it had been so since a kid. He recounted a story where he lost a toy, which really upset him. And this like ghost-like woman came up to him and told him not to be upset that the toy will reemerge which it did a few years later. And I will add, too, that, see, he had told these other prospectors that spirit guides were telling him where the gold was. And they kept looking and looking and looking and not finding. And that the, 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 other, the other main character, Marion Smith, was like, I'm tired of your spirit guide crap. We're not finding crap. Either the spirit guides are lying to you or you're lying about the spirit guide. But of course, they eventually supposedly happened on gold. So I guess at that point, they all just got on board with whatever was going on. Right. But he had claimed he was uh, he was in touch with, uh, you know, some, some kind of god named Vander White, which was a female spirit Native American. I find the words Vander White to be really, really weird for a, a Native American name, but you know, what do I know, right? It is a weird name for a new And then she shot an arrow to the spot where they needed to go to find the gold. And once he was looking for it, another male spirit guide came down from out of the sky and told him exactly where the gold was, but said that gold does not belong to you. And if you do take it, you will suffer consequences. Now, he is on... Fred Beck states that the reason they were attacked by those apes, and I find this also very interesting and naive, is because of Marion Smith's reluctance to believe in the spirit guys. And I'm like, but Fred, y'all shot at him. You were even the one that killed the one the morning after that went over the, the cliff. Right. He's contradicting himself. Yeah. Now, I do want to add another small anecdote that has nothing to do with this story except that it's in the exact same area. In 1963, a professional skier named Jim Carter 
went up to Mount St. Helens with quite a few other skiers. And they were going to be skiing down this mountain. And on the way up, um, they were maybe halfway up or so. Some of the skiers asked, and this is a well-documented story. This is this story is definitely more documented and more uh, verifiable than uh, anything else I'm talking about. It definitely happened, and it's a mystery. The other the other skiers suggested, "Why don't you stop here with your camera, and when we get up to the top, you can get some great pictures of us because these were all top skiers and explorers and scientists." You can get some great pictures of us coming down the mountain. And he okay. said, sure, I'll do that. Right. So they ski back down and they get to where he should have been and he's not there. The only thing they find is like a box that housed his film canister. Holy shit. Then they start finding his ski tracks. And let okay. me tell you now, this guy was supposedly an expert skier. They said he was moving so fast down the mountainside and so dangerously that he was literally jumping over ravines where he could have fallen into the ravine and down. Like they said, it was evident to them he was clearly trying to get away from something. Well, he's terrified. Yes, he was taking chances even no expert would take because they know it's not necessary. It's, it's, it's bad practice. And he went over the mountainside. And yet when they went down for the search parties, they never found anything of it. Like, and he would not have survived this drop down the mountainside. So he's so, just gone. He's just gone. Never found him. Nothing. Insane ski tracks that showed somebody moving and taking risks they would never take unless something utterly terrified them. Now, that being said, they didn't find any other signs. There were no big track, Bigfoot tracks anywhere in the area. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but I thought it's interesting that that's in, in the same Ape Canyon area, you know, because I'm not one of these people pushing. I was on board with the um, the Bigfoot taking people missing 411 thing, and I think it's occasionally might be true, even if it's a little more innocent. Like, I think it was a, a Bigfoot that possibly saved the kid that got lost three years ago in the North Carolina coastal woods. Okay. Um, that was a fast. Well, I was thing. just about to ask you why would a Bigfoot take someone? Well, I don't know. I mean, well, we'll get into that with the next story. We'll get into that with the next one, which I'm about to segue into. Okay, cool. So this is a much more sketchy anecdote. I'll start off right off the bat, but it is one that has been talked about quite a bit. And you know, I'll even go with the where there's a little bit of smoke, there might be a fire. Uh, but I've done a little digging into it, and this was the so-called LaFleur County. And when I say LaFleur County, I mean Oklahoma. Uh, okay. Choctaw Indian Bigfoot War from 1855. All right. Damn, we're going way back. We're going back, back, back on this one. Going way back, brother. Yeah. Um, right. So... Supposedly a tribe of Choctaw that lived in this area that was in LaFleur. There were some kind of burglars or heisters that kept coming through at night and stealing their corn and their other vegetables. And they were, you know, it was pretty serious. I mean, you know, survival is a big thing. Like, you know, and Oklahoma can have some, where do you live? 
I live in Missouri, rural Missouri, right well, in the there middle. There you go. So right in the same area. Oklahoma can have some pretty serious winters. I imagine oh, you yeah. want to be stocked up one way or another. Um, I don't know how they go about doing that. I know we used to salt and smoke meats, you know. Right. But this kept escalating, um, and eventually they weren't just taking their food at night. They were taking their children. Somebody was stealing children at night. How they were pulling that off? I don't know. It's another like really not. It's not a part that's really addressed in the story. Right. Um, so there was one of the top guys there. The Choctaws were a big, large, husky, you know, tribe of natives. They were not. You know, it's weird because some tribes are much more diminutive in stature. These were they, larger. These are larger people. But this one particular uh, guy, um, uh, Hamas, I'm trying to think about the pronunciation of his name as I looked at it. Uh, Tubay, I think, Hamas Tubay. He was okay. seven feet tall, huge, so even by their Good standards. Brother. And he had six sons that were almost equally as big as he was. And after this had gone on long enough, there was uh, supposedly a uh, the, their tribe leader was a man named Joshua Lafour, who was a combination of a Choctaw and a Frenchman. And even though he had Frenchmen in him, the Choctaw completely respected him as their warrior leader. Um, so uh, the, these uh, Humas and his group, they were known as point riders. That meant they were on the front lines. And um, uh, Lafleur would have been like their 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 main leader. I don't know if you'd call him a captain or in our terms, but I don't know what you'd call him there, like the scout leader. I don't know. Just the boss. The boss. Yeah, the boss. <laughs> and um, they decided. I don't know what they based this on. They were going to head out. I think west from where they were and find these raiders. They had no idea who these raiders were, and they were going to find them. And um, they got up and left before uh, sunlight. I don't remember what the number was. Uh, you know, maybe 30, 30, uh, 30 people on horseback. They left before sunup. They traveled all day. They were really tired. And, and towards late evening, they stopped at a river and stopped for a little bit just to regain themselves and you know, get their composure back and their physicality back. Right. And then they decided to head forth and go on, and in about two hours, LaFleur called him to, to halt, and I guess through his spyglass, he said he could see what he thought might be some beings uh, about 500 yards away, right into a wood line, so then he gave the order to charge. And then so all these people charged on their horses. And the minute they got into that wood line, most of the horses bucked upward because of the stench alone. The stench of rotting flesh was so horrifying that even the horses reared back, they were thrown off their horses. But this is what's even more interesting. Why coincidentally did uh, Joshua the Floors and, uh, you know, Humas Tubay, not, their horses didn't, didn't buck up and knock them off. Um, so they tried to regain their composure and then get back and start moving into battle. 
And most of these robbers had apparently fled, but three of them left behind. They saw a huge pile of human bones and skeletons with lots of meat on them in various stages of decomposition. And these three were still hanging around the pile. And so LaFleur charged one of them on his horse. But unbeknownst to him, another one ran around the backside of his horse and punched the horse. And the horse went down with one punch and then literally ripped his head off, just plucked it off. Oh, uh, shit. But since there were only three of them, these other tough guys that were all you know part of this group of Choctaws uh, started shooting the other, shooting that one and the other two, and it killed two of them. And one of them, he was wounded. He started trying to run off, and supposedly Humas Tubey got off his horse and ran and finished him off with his knife. Damn. Now, supposedly, what happened there is they found like the remains of twenty-nine kids or something like that. Uh, and even some women, and they individually buried the remains. Now, another question mark is, okay, this is a big pile of bones. How easy are you going to be able to separate the remains of 29 kids and bury them? I don't know, but I'm about to ask a question, though, what you think. Do you think maybe they were eating them? Well, that's what the, that's what the implication was. They said that they clearly looked Killing like... Killing them for food? Yes, for food. You know, which... That makes a lot of sense. I mean, just killing them into malicious, stealing them to maliciously killing them doesn't, I don't know how that would serve any purpose because right. it's also drawing attention to the fact that somebody's doing this and you, you never want to draw attention to yourself. One of the, and I, I know I bring this up every episode, but it's interesting recently that I'm following this uh, YouTube account where this husband and wife team in South Florida, they work with alligators and crocodiles. And okay. they can do some amazing things with these things. He gets in the water with them. Yeah, you and, talked about this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and where was I going with that? It's like, uh, uh, oh, I'm going to lose my thoughts. So I don't want to get too too far out. But pretty much like, oh, so oh, so that's what it reminds me. Because they made this same statement. About, they watched a recent movie about some kind of alligators that came in after a hurricane or something. And we're attacking everybody. And, of course, as they're approaching their victim, they're roaring. First of all, alligators can't roar. They can hiss and they can bellow, but they don't go, roar. Right. No predator, no predator roars. If a bear is coming at you roaring, they're trying to get you away from it. Yeah, them. they're when trying to scare you. In predatory they kill you. They're just going to kill you. They're trying to be stealthy. Right. So, um, you know... Uh, I, I keep losing myself on my brain, but but the whole thing is like they would not want it. My, I'm drawing the con connection that they wouldn't want to draw more attention to themselves by taking these bodies just to kill them for no reason. Right. Yeah, that's putting danger on them. Now, if they were desperately needing a food source, the other question is: we know that Sasquatch are ultimate hunters and ultimate survivors. Why would they need to? Now they do. Uh, they do raid farms, and they do raid food when they can get it, but I don't think they ever get dependent on it. That's just like, if that opportunity's there, I'm going to take it. I'm not right. going to say it's not true. So one of the one of the um, stories I read, the author stated that even though we can't verify much of the story at all, it doesn't really trace back lengthy ways, um, 
we we can say that Joshua LaFleur was a real Choctaw that lived in 1855 or died in 1855. And they even went further that he died by decapitation. Well, I looked that up myself. When I pulled up Joshua LaFleur, what comes up continually is Captain Charles LaFleur, who was a Choctaw over the, this group in, in uh, Oklahoma. Okay. And he died in 1920 in his home peacefully. So uh, the likelihood is it's not real, but it's a fascinating story. It's one that, that gets you thinking. One of the ones I give a little more credence to um, than that one is the natives, and I forget what uh, tribe of natives it was that was being, um, uh, they were being eaten by a group of what they call the red-haired giants, basically. The English translation is the red-haired giants. Um, and this was out west. Uh, it may have been in Arizona. And they described these things as being massive from seven to nine feet tall and having red hair. Now they don't describe ginger them. giants. Giants, yeah. Ginger giants, though. My babies is a ginger. Yeah, well, they don't describe whether they're hairy all over or if it's just red hair. I like to think they just have red hair on top. Like well, that, top and, that, and that gets me back to the um, real quick to the uh, the Alaska Triangle. There's stories of giants there, but they describe them of human giants as being around 15 feet tall. The natives talk about. There were also cannibalistic. So these red-haired giants were eating them. And what they did, one of the caves that a big group of them lived in was called the Lovelock Cave. And they went there one day and just filled the whole cave with branches and kindling and lit it on fire. And either burned them out or smoked them and killed them. The interesting thing is, some, or not too long ago, somebody did some research on the rock walls of the cave and they find what looks like perhaps like, you know, when a hand gets burned. Have you ever seen burned skin really bad? Yeah. It looks like glue. Yeah. It gets mushy and soft. Mm -hmm. There's like a massive handprint on the wall of that cave that looks like an imprint of skin on there. Now, whether they were ever to, ever able to get anything off of that and test it, I don't know. Right. But I think we're going to be coming into a lot more of this because they're now doing what's called environmental DNA. So instead of waiting to get an animal, you know, they, uh, people will go through river streams that are in areas where, say, Sasquatch is known to be or is thought to be, and they just take water samples, and they, there's going to be all types of different DNA floating in that water because if you're moving through the water, you're sloughing off skin and, and stuff like that. Right. And they supposedly already have found some very interesting DNA, but I, I'm not going to go on much more about that because I don't know, know enough about it to really say. Um, but I think that's probably where the future is going to lie. They supposedly have done the samples of the Loch Ness with water samples, and they've found a species of eel that they don't know about. And maybe, oh, really? that's, maybe it's a massive eel, right? Could be. Do the eels put their heads up out of the water? I don't know. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. I, know, I know they tend to seem to be bottom feeders, typically. A giant eel. You know, mores, they stay in caverns on the bottom. And, um, so I'm not sure about that. But, yeah, these are anecdotes that I find interesting, and they could go one way or the other. I would put more 
the the thing with the eight canyon thing is the the pros are when he when this supposedly happened there wasn't a lot of bigfoot fever or sasquatch fever going on there certainly wasn't even the bigfoot term and so to hear these men talk about this these giant things 18 inch prints we do now now know that there are people that find trackways that just suddenly stop that that's interesting um the things that take away from it is he didn't release his book till 1967. And by then he could have heard a lot about the Bigfoot phenomenon and incorporated it into his tale. Uh, and the right. fact that we can't get verification from any of the other. And I will do more of that since I had to do a rush job on this from scrapping my whole ghost night. Jesus. <laughs> Don't doubt yourself in the future. Don't do Just it. Go with it. Go with worry about it, man. Whatever, Whatever I'm feeling, triple P, I just it. move over and go to Quad P. Yeah, when Quad P don't question himself, Quad P <laughs> wants to do something, he does it. Well, I want to make. I'm really stoked about the ghost stuff because I've recently come across some things that are. Well, really real quick, just kick that around. What, no, no. All well, right. okay. All right. So the guy, all right. So the guy where they follow him around. Okay. Yeah. He didn't talk much about his childhood, but he did describe seeing some weird things. And then they kind of, you know, this story, they kind of quickly fast forward to adulthood, though. And then he's moving here and he's moving there. But everywhere he goes, stuff's happening. So he's a security guard. That's his job. Um, he goes to a facility that has, at nighttime, it has, you know, the, the indoor part of it's got, it looks real sterile, you know, like a hospital environment almost. A lot of computers, a lot of stainless steel surfaces and all that. But in his house one day, he just walks into the living room and he's got like this remote control like dude buggy or something. And it's just going, meh, meh, and then backing up. Right. And he sees the remote control on the floor. He, he's like, I'm not an electric, electrical kind of guy, so I can't say, but the thing's turned off. And then it really surges forward. And as he's filming it, it starts talking about it, it suddenly stops. So he'd have things like that happen. Another time, he was playing a prank on his wife. Um, he had made it so that his, like, he had shut down the ability to access his bank card number. Right. Um, and his wife, he knew, was online trying to use his bank card number to make some purchases. And he, she apparently gets really frustrated real early, real quickly. Yeah. So he's filming her as a, just to watch as she gets more and more frustrated. And he's acting naive about, well, that card's good, you know. Right. Well, he if, if if I always have to say this, like if he's not in on a prank on us, mm -hmm. if it's really what it is, he never even saw this. He showed the video to his friend laughing about it. And the friend points out that behind the wife in the kitchen – this dark shape comes from around the door, around the door jam, just enough so you get like what like might be like half of a head, and it goes like that. Oh, and the wow. thing is, the dog is looking intently in that direction. It is so creepy. The hairs on my arms went up. Like it looked spot. in the room. Yeah, like it was peering at her. Like oh, her back God. would be to it. He would be filming it, so his face would be to it. But like it was peering in through the kitchen into that next room, and the dog was you photo like, bombed it. Yeah, that That's kind of creepy stuff. Creepy as fuck. 
Obviously, it could be a Photoshop job, but somehow he had to get the, the dog in on the act in an acting job. That would be an intricate fucking prank. Yes. And my, Think about my, the levels of that fucking prank. That's a double I was, I was freaking. So, so another time he goes into his office, he has a night shift, and all of a sudden it is literally like, the lights are going haywire, not just one light. All the lights in the building are going on and off. The computers are turning on and off. He doesn't know what's going on. And there's this office door, a big, heavy door with like a big metal handle. It just goes, bam, and you catch it on camera. And he's like, okay, that's it. I'm out of here. He's shaking the camera. His speech to me tells me somebody is not faking. He is clearly terrified, like he was mortified. He's still affected to this day by that. But these things, and I don't know if it's one ghost or a demon, and I don't even, I know some people separate ghosts from demons, and that's possibly true. When I see that dark shape come around, I'm thinking demon. I just, because it's totally dark. Like he's got something following him with some serious bad juju. Sometimes it seems just like a prankster, but I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Intricate pranks. I mean, it could be. I see what you're saying. It could be, but right now it's a little more fun to think. Wow, that's fucking wild. Well, he was spooked. So I, I the thing is, I actually happened on that on a damn Discovery Channel. The Discovery Channel might as well be called the Ghost Channel now. I mean, I'm serious. Right. Yeah. No, not Discovery. The Travel Channel. That one too. Yeah, and um, but it was I was Discovery's like aliens island. and shit, isn't it? Well, I was sitting up with Elliot watching some really cool shows. It, 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 you know, there's that whole ghost hunters thing, and I know they got to yeah. have hints and they prank. Most of this stuff to me seemed like it really could be real. And so I wound up, I only remembered his first name was James. And so I Googled James personal ghost. You know, I couldn't find anything on a search like that. So I got to, Maybe I can find that episode again and pull it back up and then uh, and do a little more into it because I know he has more stories, you know. Um, right. But I've kind of it's weird. I've been kind of pulled back into the spectral thing and back into the the sea monster or sea animal. Here's the weird thing about these sites: all right, the 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 um, the latitudes that these monsters are generally found in, and I will contradict that in a minute by one that I know about. Extremely cold. I mean. I mean, Alaska, fucking, even in summer, the water is like, would, would put you in hypothermia in minutes. Yeah. Kill you in minutes. Alaska's crazy cold. Um, so I know that a lot of times people describe these things as being serpentine and or like a plesiosaur, if any of you guys are up with dinosaurs. The plesiosaurs were the ones that had the big football-shaped body and the long neck and the four flippers. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what a lot of people describe, it seems like. But the thing is, in these water reptiles, and this brings into question whether the dinosaurs were all reptiles, for one thing. Reptiles are cold-blooded. They they can't operate in climates like that. Like the alligators where I live, when winter comes, they make a den. And if need be, if the water freezes over, they make sure it get their nose right above. So there's all this, their, their heads frozen on the top of the water, but their nostrils up so they can breathe. And they pretty much go down to where they don't, their, their vitals are down to almost zero. They don't need much oxygen. Their heart's not beating. And they can stay that way until they need to come out of their den. It's called a kind of false hibernation. But 
if they get down to freezing temperatures for too long, they will die. To have an animal thrive in these, it, we're talking water is way colder than we get here in the south where I am. I'm just wondering if either we're wrong about reptiles or A, if there are surviving dinosaurs, if the dinosaurs weren't reptiles, what if they were mammals that we just think looked like reptiles? What if mammals could look? Look at a rhinoceros. It doesn't quite look like a normal reptile, right? I mean, mammal, right? Right. Yeah. Or uh, uh, what's the one that carries uh, the, uh, uh, armadillos? They don't, they're mammals. Those are wild looking. They're really you know, we have weird. those here in Missouri. Oh, yeah, I got them here. That yeah. on the side of the road. Got them all over here all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, they came from Central America. Oh, right. Natural migration all the they're way They're wild up. looking, like they're yeah. walking with a shell on. So I think sometimes we just, we make too many assumptions. Well, that looks reptilian or it looks snake-like, so it must be that. And it could be a mammal. Well, you have know? you ever heard the theories that the dinosaur, as it's presented to you, is fake? Yes. And uh, here's what I can say about that. And I, I, put a little, I put some credence into that. We do know from the blue whale that in terms of the water, massive dinosaurs could live. You know, these plesiosaurs weren't nearly as big as a blue whale. They were huge. But the whole thing is when you deal with animals like a Brachiosaurus, which was semi-aquatic, but definitely on land, or a Diplodocus or the Apatosaurus, which used to be called the Brontosaurus, those are animals that are weighing 75 tons or more. And there's a thinking that says there's no way there's enough bone structure or muscle to keep that kind of weight supported. Now, a smaller Tyrannosoid-type dinosaur, sure, because we know that elephants are here. So a Tyrannosaur might be comparable in weight to an elephant. So they could have existed, but we also don't know about the timeline. I've heard a lot of stuff that carbon dating is not accurate past so many thousand years, and yet we're being told that these things died off 60 million years ago, so that was the end of them, and they go back a couple hundred million years more than that. I think they might be bullshit. They might be total bullshit. I think they might be completely made up. You know, there's a, a video by Eric Dubay, who I like a lot. He's a good researcher. He uh, does a lot of work on the Flat Earth, too. But he talks uh -huh. about how museums, and this actually turns out to be true, but they give you excuses as to why, don't actually have any real dinosaur bones. They have no, they're replicas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's you know the thing. And so then there's you know other the, interesting points, too. You know the added theory behind this is what? that once we discovered oil for power, the Rothschilds, no, the Rockefellers really were part of this. I don't know about the Rothschilds. There are scientists that tell us that oil is actually a mineral, and it's a naturally reoccurring mineral. Yeah, it'll never run out. But dinosaurs, if it's a product of dead animals, that's a finite thing that we can control. And they can charge money and make more Create money. Fear. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's a out, very, there only so many dinosaurs. Yeah, I think it's a very credible, very credible possibility. Right. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, because so we know how these people operate. We know how these people operate, you know? Yeah, so much. And why do only dinosaurs create oil? They're still just a physical being like a monkey or a human. Why don't we get oil from decaying and rotting? Really? I thought they became birds. 
dinosaurs. Didn't they evolve into birds? Right, right, right. They got wiped out in the mass extinction event too, though, right? And then they evolved into birds. Which one was it? So I can't keep track of their bullshit. Right, exactly. Yeah, they tell you that they think now they what have. What I think is the smaller uh, animals, no matter whether reptilian or mammal, are possibly real. Because um, we have, you know, we still have crocodiles that can reach 23 feet. We know that's real. Those are living dinosaurs, the crocodiles. Yeah, so, but, like but we still Those don't know wild. when they developed. They didn't necessarily develop 200 million years ago. I don't trust them on time at all. I don't trust the time. Mainstream. Look, even if they weren't science. being dishonest intentionally, if what's true about carbon dating, it's just like these people are taking massive leaps based on information they don't understand. Well, there's so much missing fucking time, too. Yeah. Missing history. Oh, yeah. And then the carbon dating being off, you know, and again, yeah. crazy readings. There's also, you know, stories of crazy readings on carbon dating, you know, yeah. that doesn't make sense to them when it tells them how old something is. It's unreliable. They're, they're making shit up, I really believe. They're trying oh. to make sense of of things that you can't understand. Well, look, all right. So, like as we know, and I'm totally going away from dinosaurs and UFOs real quick, just you for go a second, you want to talk about lying. So you know, there's no point in me bringing up with all these guys because they know it. The myocarditis, the, the the strokes, the blood clots. Have well, you seen? Have you seen? Yeah, have you seen the mainstream articles coming out? Yes. There was an article that came out the other day. I don't know if it wasn't CNN, but it was something equally as heinous. Okay. Warning, breathing too much in one day might cause strokes. heart attacks. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, too much oxygen. Now they've got Fucking assholes. a British article stating if the time change for Brits could lead to heart problems. The upcoming time change. There was a guy at my work today. I work in a restaurant and he was talking about how he just came from getting a booster. He did not feel well, felt like he was about to pass out. You're putting poison in yourself, people. Do not do this. If you are on the fence, if you have not made a decision about this vaccine yet, do not ever put this in you ever for any reason. I don't care if you're going to lose your job. I don't care what's going to happen to you, what they threaten you with. Don't ever put this in you. You know, when I hear somebody, and I get it, all right, how am I going to pay my bills? All right, I get all that stuff. But, like, just think of the idea, like, I explore the topic of death a lot, like the ways that we die. Um, Right. And there are some ways, death is a pleasant period, but there are people who die in their sleep. There are some ways that are much more unpleasant than others. To die from from either AIDS-like symptoms which is now occurring, as you know, vaccine-induced AIDS. Yep. Or the opposite, to die from a cytokine storm where your 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 immune system is attacking. It's it's being falsely told it's being attacked so much that it is going crazy. You're choking on your own fluids. I mean, it's a nightmare. It's not like They're oh, I'll be dying by sleep. Like they are. I would rather find, look, I would rather if I had to go out and cut lawns again to make money than somebody tell me. Look, uh, that line in the sand is going to get drawn eventually. Well, I, Let I this think, be look, it. Don't ever put this in you. So, all right, there's a, there's, there's a, um, there's a, an essay I want all of y'all to read. It's not, it's going to mirror everything you know, but it's so well put that it makes you understand where these other people are coming from. Um, 
it's called the death, the, uh, the, I think it's called the, no, let's see, The Last Days of the Covidian Cult by C.J. Hopkins, who is a writer, playwright, poet, etc., and a satirist. There is no satire in this thing, The Last Days of the Covidian Cult. I highly recommend you all read it. He describes to a T what is going on and why these people are, are doing what they're doing. And I don't, I don't mean the big controllers. I mean the followers that think. So and there was an interview done with him about that essay. He says, look, propaganda, whereas a lot of people think propaganda is just nothing but tricking people with lies, it's also getting people that already are kind of there to just give them talking points to go further with what you want them to do. So these people that are easily manipulated are already pretty much there. So you give them phrases like trust the science, you know, all this stuff, and they'll run with it. They'll help produce, they'll help be the propaganda. But eventually as the narrative breaks down, even they themselves, when they think about it, like this is stupid, but they can't turn around because they've already done it. So they, they don't want to admit defeat, but there are some of them who are. There are some of them who are like, enough's enough. I was promised two and done, meaning period. Then I was told, well, we may need a booster. Then I was told that the effect, the effectiveness wears off over three to four months, mm-hmm. on and on and on and on. And even some of them are getting like, fuck this shit. Not enough of them, but at least it's a start. I think it's a test, man. I hope that's all, though. It could be well, more. It could be a live drill. It could have. It could be doing it, going for it. They plan to wipe a large amount of us out. Yeah, yeah. This could be it. This could be it. What it if they're be. wiping out their immune system? What if? What if it? Well, that's the thing. So what they're saying is the evidence now. What for we're being told the, is, the worst case scenarios, and then people do well, just dropping dead based on some of the evidence. I mean, the worst case scenarios are that they will all eventually die before their time. It may be two years, maybe three, maybe five, but it's coming. So what they're saying is uh, is where the doctors are now forced to say, oh, well, the efficacy, it wears off after about four months. What, what changed that definition to as the vaccine wears off, you're not going back to your normal immune state. You're going back to a reduced compromised immune state. Some people are supposedly down as way further than 50% now. And they're not getting it back. So, you know, like with AIDS, um, it's not people like, oh, the AIDS is the system that does what it does. You're then susceptible to the common cold, to anything, to cancer, to any in, in, in innumerable ding, ding, amount. Ding, 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 Yep. No immune yeah. system. Your immune yeah. system. So, in other words, That's instead of the hyperimmune system, which will also kill you. No immune system. When you when hence boosters, bring back the boosters. So a lot of people are saying that now there's a Spanish company, graphene oxide is absolutely in the shots. It was oh, also yeah. no, it, is. it was also in the 2019-2020 flu shots. I did a video on it. Okay, right when they yeah. were doing the the uh, the five G towers around old it's a massive home. ingredient. It's one of the main ingredients. Exactly. And but the they found that vials I, that were all graphene oxide. And apparently, though, the body still tries to expel graphene oxide after several months. Enter booster shots. Get it back in the system. Get it back in the system. I don't know what the hell's going on anymore. 
I just oh, know dude. that there's no fucking way in hell you put this in your body. Under any circumstances, I don't care what they do to you. No, 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 no. I will do no, it. No, never, ever. No, 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 no. It's because look, I think we can kick around what they've done to themselves all day long. We're going to find out, though, in two, five, ten years. Like well, that's the thing. And then we'll know. But right now, all you can really do is protect yourself. Can't save nobody at this point. I don't think. No, and so you can say, "Well, they're they're lifting the mandates." I'm like, "Yeah, well, they are, but they're also going." Ha! We at least got sixty percent of them. Let's sit I back. I saw watch, a great video today of a classroom of kids being told that they weren't going to have to wear the masks anymore, and they were cheering, and it was a really happy video. Yeah, but I'm it's like awful that we did that. Oh, let me let me tell you, painful. There's, there's a road I drive, I drive by every day, where there's a school, a middle school, and I go by there around the time school's getting out, and to see all these kids masked, some of them the masks oh, hanging off the ear, some of them still fully masked at the bus stop. It it breaks my heart. Well, it's a defeated feeling wearing the fucking thing. You ever wore one? You don't huh? feel human. It steals your humanity wearing it. Oh, no, let me, so let me give you a story about this. After I tell you that I saw a toddler, less than two years old, mask in the grocery store today, I was this close to assaulting verbally that woman, but I, I didn't do it. I should have, I feel like I should have done it because it's child abuse. Even if, you know, this is one of those things where ignorance is no excuse. You need to get unignorant, right? Um, but let me tell you, so when this first came about, when I learned about China in December of 2019, I'm always suspicious of everything big that comes out naturally, like you are and like our good friends here that are watching. But I thought, well, I don't know the facts. Let me read and learn as I go. In the meantime, I have a gut feeling this is going to affect the United States. So I'm going to buy masks right now. And I didn't know anything about mask efficacy. I hadn't done any reading up on it yet. So I ordered a box of 100 masks. And by early February, I was going to the grocery store with masks on. And I felt really weird and awkward doing it. And nobody else was doing it. And they're all looking at me weird, like, what's wrong with him? Sometimes little kids pointing at me like, what? you know, the social experiment for me was over the next month or two where I started doing the research about masks and about this so-called pandemic. I was like, this is bullshit. So I started taking my mask off and getting in arguments with people in the stores. But the funny thing I noticed was all the people, including people I knew over and over again, because I see the same people that looked at me funny were now wearing masks because they could fit in now because everybody else was wearing a mask. So it felt like the right thing to do. I know I try not to use harsh terms like the word sheeple, but it's hard not to when you see how they looked at me funny because I was standing out. And then when I learned this was bullshit and I switched and they were switched by the mainstream media and they all jumped on board, then they were looking at me weird for not wearing one. Have you ever read the book, what's well, not a book, it's a leaked document called Silent Weapons for Quiet War. Yes. Matter of fact, I got the whole book here at my house. The, the level that that technique is being turned up right now yeah. is insane. And if you're not falling victim to it, you are immune to brainwashing. I want you to pat yes. yourself on the back right now. You're going to be just fine. Everyone else is fucked. So plant seeds, try to stay who you can, but I would really That's just kind of prepare yourself and and work on those that you see a light in their fucking eye because everyone else, it's been dimmed out. 
because yeah. that weapon of the internet and the media and all of that that has been it's perfected effective. and scientifically designed to fuck with you has been turned up to a level that is insane. Like okay. if Spinal Tap was the movie being played right now, it would be up to 11. And if you're not being affected by it, you're immune. Right. That brings up a great question now, Sean. So why are we immune? Like, and before we get to the level know. of something like that. That's an interesting to... question, though. Let's so talk with that for a little while. Yeah, so when uh, Edward Bernays basically through the, the Rockefellers um, promoted the whole suffragette movement and that point where all of them are marching down the street, all the women, and they turn around and light a cigarette. That was all orchestrated. Actually, Virginia Slims was in on it because they were they stood C to make a huge amount of industry used it in a big way. Edward Bernays is considered the, 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 the godfather of modern propaganda. Yes. yes. Clearly, what they had to do was find a way to bypass what we refer to as IQ intelligence. Because you know, I don't even know what my IQ is. They're messing with us on a level. Of I know that I know people that can beat my ass in an IQ test in a moment, but they still, it's something to do with fear. It's it, apparently as a species, there is this way of inducing fear that just makes people. They pull you away from your intuition and your connection with the universe. They, they get you to question it. It's exactly what you're saying. Fear. Yeah. You're afraid that you're wrong or you're afraid to be judged. But why can't a super intelligent person see through that? So because why are those why programs? The more diplomas on their wall, the more program they well, are. That's right. So why are we immune to that? Like what happened to us? Were we born just going? I you're don't not know, gonna... because I never accepted reality as it was presented to me. Did you? Uh, I did, but early on in that, like I believed in Santa Claus and all that shit. Um, but my mother and father bought me books on the macabre when I was not even in double-digit years. By the time I was eight, I had books on Bigfoot, ghosts, aliens, bizarre murders. And that led me down that trail that leads to everything else. Cattle mutilations, UFOs. UFOs are automatically going to lead to government conspiracy. So you sound like you were kind of raised a little open-minded. I was kind of groomed for it. Yeah, you had open-minded parents. Yes. See, I didn't have very involved parents at all. So I was kind mm -hmm. of left to yeah. my own devices. Yeah. And I kind of made my own judgments on the world. And I just felt like the adults in the world weren't lying to me but weren't telling me the truth whether it was because they were just passing on what they were or for whatever reason i just yeah. yeah i didn't feel like it was really the truth ever well david i calls everybody their repeaters they just repeat and you can put this to the test i guarantee you sean you can go up to somebody you know in your family or, or your neighbors and, and make up some total bullshit story but say it with authority and they'll go oh really and yeah, they i've done it Yes, it yes. works. And then they'll tell their friends, and it only yes. goes. Yeah. Yes. Babos has done it to me. If you say <laughs> something with authority, someone will yeah. believe you. That's right. Yes, it's true. Right. I know. Um, and that's all it takes. And so when you get people, oh, this guy's got a doctor, like a doctorate or a, you know, so-and-so. Did you check? Uh, like, exactly. You don't look into it. All you got to do is say it with authority, and you can say you're that thing. That's how con artists 
make all their money and do everything that they do. That's right. They, they just it's, tell it's, you. Like, it's psychology. It's psychology. Believe what you want to believe. Yeah. They get well, in your head. This is designed. That's why I brought up that pamphlet, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. They yeah. tell you exactly what they're doing in that. Even yeah. with and scientific equations, they know what they're doing. Psychologically, oh. they know how to unravel you. So we know that everything is pretty much opposite. So when you have these people come down on you with the whole conspiracy theory word, first of all, you know, like, oh, God, here we go again. Oh, that doesn't even bother me anymore. So what I'm saying is, like, when some, like, all right, for instance, um, I went to share your, when you had shared that. And it told you that we'd lie all the time. Do you really want to share this? Yeah. Do you still want to? I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. Give me a hell yeah option. (laughs) Right. It's like, well, that's still going to hide it and put it. That tells me I'm on the right track. That just tells me I'm on the right track that somebody is being censored. Hmm. I'm being heavily fucking censored, bro. Yeah, I know you are. To a level that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm still in jail for another. I don't know. This situation terrifies me. I try not to be bothered by it, but it does. It scares me because we're at such a, a crossroads as a society where the tyrannical edge is pushing towards total tyranny. And then the people that should stand up for themselves, I'm waiting, but I don't see it happening. And they're coming at us aggressive. So if we fucking stand up soon, united as one, we're going to lose everything and we're going to be in the shits. That's why we've been prepping with babies because I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do then. Cause we're not going to fight. Like, we're never going to fight. We don't even stand up. The the truckers' convoy is the closest thing I've seen to us standing up this entire time. And I kind of have side-eye at that because I feel like if it didn't start out infiltrated, it's been infiltrated. Well, right now, well it has. You know it has it's because there's people in there with Nazi flags and, steered. And, and all that stuff. Yeah, so it's, there's going to be infiltrators in there and um, corrupted. So, it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, that's Anything the power is going to be corrupted. I know. It, it's yeah. I know it's disheartening, but, but that's the only stand I'm seeing. Yeah. So it's hard not to be excited about it. It's like we got to stand up at some point. How long we've been letting them push like a bully in class in the, in the school situation, pushing you every day for two, three years now. Fifteen days, fourteen days, they flatten the curves. Three years. Yeah, we're supposed pushing. to be the You're still wearing masks. The of the brave, we should be the leaders not of ever fighting people. back. Yeah. Too much. Uh, too much stuff in the water. You know, too much it's, TV. It's brainwashing, I think. I think they're so indoctrinated and yeah. so programmed to believe that, like, I'm seeing Trump 24 hats now. I know. People I, are I excited did about the I guy who helped roll yeah. out this shit. Yeah, he did Operation Warp Speed. He put this all in place, and he'll come right back to finish you off. Why are you fucking excited with your autographed hat? That's ridiculous. And it, now his slogan is save America again, like he ever fucking saved shit. No. All he did was fidget with his tie while all this happened. And he yeah, signed just, all the right documents. He just will another not actor, save you. Just another actor. It's ridiculous. And, but yeah, it's see, terrifying Trump, because that's Trump the idea of fighting back is voting for Trump again. A billionaire that sits on a gold toilet. You think he cares about you. He's going to save you. He ever gave a fuck about you ridiculous how naive 
Remember that quote he did years and years ago? If he ever ran for president, he would run as a Republican because of how naive they were. They say that he didn't say that, but I, I saw him say it. Oprah. I saw him say it too, but they try to tell you it's like a Mandela or something. They say it's not true. Uh, Have you seen that? They're telling you yeah, he never I, said that. I, I saw him say it on Oprah. Okay. My mom used to watch Oprah. I look, I'm totally into the I'm totally into the Mandela effect. So all I can say is I'll in Oprah. Yeah, I, I will look into that. But I, I would I mean they just sound something brazen like he would say. You know what I mean? He said it. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember verbatim from that episode. Like, I can't say that I, I have a photographic clip. memory, and I remember no, him saying on that episode. But I remember him being on an Oprah, yeah. and then I remember seeing the clip taken of him saying that on an Oprah, and that yeah. would have had to been fake. They do those deep fakes, though, you know, where they can make it look like. Well, it. now they can. But yeah, this they was can. Fire, this is an old video. They would have had to vintage it and shit. Like, it would have yeah. been complicated, and this was years ago, even. So I don't know. I saw it, but it, then, then you got then you got the Simpsons. Now like, they I tell just, you he didn't say Simpsons it. Things blows my mind, you know. Simpsons is insane, but those writers are, they are sacrificing there. children at night before they write their stories because yeah. they, they, it's either that Matt Groening is a time traveler or he has the copy of the script. Right. I right. think it's the second one. Yeah, you're probably. I right. think he has a copy of the script. I think so. Yeah. That's a fucking play. Like it's all well, it's just like that guy, what was his name? Uh Bob Green, who uh claimed that Bob Green's a pompous man, and that always makes it a little bit harder to accept that he's necessarily being for real. But you know, he claimed that he was a self-made millionaire, he had his own financial institution. Bob Green? I've never heard of him. Yeah, he talks a lot about UFOs and he talks about what's his name? The the the, the one-legged man from Switzerland. That took all the incredible photographs of UFOs. I hadn't heard of him. Um, my so dad had host our paranormal guy. segment, huh? My dad had all these books on that guy. I'll, I'll get you his name. with a cool dad. It sounds like um, Bob Green. I found Bob Green through um, a, a couple that uh, did interviews called the called Project Camelot, mm -hmm. and so he claimed he was a self-made millionaire. And he had his own financial institutions. And at some point, he was invited by bigwigs, including Ted Kennedy, to attend this meeting at a hotel. And he had no idea what it was about. And he decided to attend this meeting. And he brought his daughter with him, who was like 13 at the time, because he didn't have a babysitter for her. So he had to bring her with him. He said, I just told her to just stay out of this room and roam around the hotel or whatever. So they're in like one of these big board meeting rooms in this hotel, and it's with Ted Kennedy. And I don't remember the other names because it's been a long time since I watched this interview. And he said they were telling him what their interest in him was because of his ability with finances, is they wanted him to be the next financial advisor for the next president of the United States. And he said, well, what do you mean the next president of the United States? Who, who, who are you talking about? And they said, Jimmy Carter. And he said, well, how do you know Jimmy Carter is going to be the next president of the United States? You're like, oh, don't worry about that. Jimmy Carter is going to be the next president of the United States. Right. Yeah, we know everything. And then at some point, the guy's daughter just happens in the room because it's not locked. And he said, Ted Kennedy looked over there and said, I'm, I'm going to fuck that. And he said, dude, that's my daughter. You don't say that. And he said, I can say anything I want, you know? This gets back to that Kathy O'Brien kind of shit, you know. <laughs> Wait, um, 
on. Hold on. And then what's the rest of the story? So he goes over there and punches Ted Kennedy in the mouth, he right? He didn't, but he got out of there and he decided he didn't want to be have anything to do with him. Now, he also did a demonstration in another video of free energy with magnets when he had an audience. And he just took like a like a round, like a ball bearing that he yeah. taped magnets around, except left these refrigerator magnets, but he left one space. So in other words, if the magnets are going around the ball like a ring, in one area, they're on one side of the ring, they're not quite connected. Right. Then he takes some other kind of magnet, and he basically puts the ball on the table, and he focuses his other magnet on it, and it takes him a few tries to get it right. But when he gets, you know, like spinning a top, you know? Right. Once you spin it just right, you know, he finally gets it centered on top of it, not touching it, and that ball with the magnets just starts spinning perpetually. And he said, this is the whole thing. It's magnetic energy. It's free energy. This is the thing. It's free energy. And they don't want you to know about it. Dude, what I think that is, this is my theory on that. You know, this we're getting into Tesla stuff now, and I have a theory on him as well. But uh, this world, though, is created i believe and it's all connected and there's an energy involved in that and they tap into it with that free energy and the wireless technology and all of that what they're really talking about is tapping into the real workings of this world that they don't ever want you to know about just like they don't ever want you to know the power of your mind the power of uh, manifestation yeah. they don't want you to know certain things about this world yeah this world was created by God and that you can operate it. You're, you're being convinced that you're weak and you're not. They lie to you and they steal everything from you, literally everything with this nonsense. And, and, and of course they're going to because they know they've gotten away with it so much. That, well, That's their whole thing, though. They're, 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 they're lying to you about everything. And it is such an intricate lie most of the people that are lying to you though don't even know they're lying to you yeah that's right they've been lied to and the person that lied to them well, that's, lied well to. it's a need to know basis so you don't need people to know from why it. they're perpetuating lies, just that they perpetuate they never questioned anything so are you familiar with phil schneider no okay phil schneider is a man who came out in the 90s saying that he worked on underground bases in the dulce new mexico area i know about dulce yeah, and so what, ha what? what's so fascinating about his story is he said he was hired to do these, to go, because there were these underground installations being built, and I think he was like uh, an expert on geology, and he had to study as they went down in these areas, the rock formations, and see how, they would, how well it would work to then blast through these areas. Right. And... Um, he had seen these these elevator systems. He said there are no cables, no electricity. It's all magnetics. These elevator systems that go on these underground bases are all based on magnetics. But at one point, this is a fantastic story now, dude. <laughs> I would have researched it more if I knew we were getting into it. But he said he came across these bizarre beings when they were underground researching the geology. And he panicked. He didn't know what these things were. They were skinny. I guess they, some of them were like seven feet tall and some of them were shorter than that. 
and a right. firefight broke out. I think he broke out his gun uh-huh. and shot. And he said this beam tapped his chest and an energy beam went right out to him. It blasted off his fingers and hit his chest and knocked him down. And he said one of the officers that was with him sacrificed his life and grabbed him and got him back into the elevator just in time. And he got that same beam. This was a huge underground battle. Philip Snyder. What they done is they said they stumbled on the uh, part of the lab they weren't supposed to go to. Yes. Deeper levels was... Yeah. Will Snyder had part of his hand is removed and he has massive scarring on his chest. Now, it could be this guy had another accident with a saw sometime and he had major surgery where they did a terrible job with the scarring to they created this story. But the thing is, he was suicided. He was killed in a very typically badly botched suicide way, you know? So my point in all that story is he's talking about magnetics again. You know, uh, we don't even know about the, the, the you know, like magnetics, grap- frequency, all We're of that. Grappling at what gravity is, right? Oh, it's the denser a ball of matter. We don't know that. Yeah. Gravity is list literally density. Yeah. What it is, like this, this bottle cap would fall to the ground because it's denser than air and it'll stop when it hits the floor. But then, but then you have the flat earthers telling you it's all about what's just called buoyancy. And so, well, so I don't know. I think I think it's just because it's heavier than air. I don't I don't know. I I know that gravity is nonsense because they can't even tell you what it is. Right, right. Your top. I'm no longer buying into this shit that 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 rests on nothing. Definition like evolution, nonsense. Yeah, it's nonsense. It's just they put a puzzle piece in to to fix their puzzle and make it work, but it's the biggest fucking piece in the puzzle. It's not like you just fixed a little problem with it. Your whole puzzle's resting on that imaginary piece. It's like, if this is true, then all of this is true. Well, what the fuck is that based on? Nothing. It's all based so on your nothing. whole so thing perfect, is sitting on nothing. A perfect argument against uh, uh, macroevolution is the argument that they use for it is the steolacanth, the low fin fish that they caught off of Africa in the early 1900s. About a six foot fish. And it looks like it's got the start of arms and then then turn into fins. And it was supposedly extinct 200 million years ago. Well, to me, that's the proof that macroevolution doesn't exist because if this thing was really around 200 million years ago and it was physically changing massively to its environment to become what would eventually be a, a limbed being on land, the land certainly changed over those years. The sea changed. Why did it just suddenly stop? Because they caught one in the 1920s in the same exact form as the skeletons they found. It hasn't changed at all. It was There's just never a, been a missing link. That was designed that way. It's designed. Now, I do accept the idea of, of, of microevolution, where perhaps small physical changes based on the changes of your environment might occur. There is zero evidence. I don't care what they say. Because when we talk about the missing link, it's not a missing link. It's the missing thousands of links. There is zero evidence that one species turns into another one. Zero. I'm not saying it's not possible, but you got to have the evidence. People now push the word theory as meaning fact, whereas theory used to be in between fact and hypothesis. It had some measure of, of credibility about it, but it wasn't proof. Now, when you get into arguments with people that push 
evolution theory. Oh, no, theory means it's basically factual. They're constantly changing the definitions of everything, as you know. They've changed the definition of herd immunity now, the, the uh, World Health Organization and the so CDC. they do is change definitions. They'll, herd immunity change everything. Was, They'll change whatever they need to to fit their agenda. To fit the script. And yeah. they do, and they're having to do that more and more now. That's why if you breathe too much in one day, you're going to mm -hmm. get a heart attack. Right. You better watch out. <laughs> don't be breathing too much. Most Careful. people don't breathe they enough. They're one of the little counters. That's right. Count your breaths. Yes, that's right. And count I'm trying to keep mine under 20 a day. Chewing your food too much might cause a heart attack. 20 really big ones. <laughs> I, don't chew, I don't chew my food anymore. I blend it in a blender, and I only breathe 27 times a day. <laughs> And I do it I, through three masks. Right, right. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. now, you see the double mask, and I've seen this. Literally, a double mask. I know mask. a double masker. But I mean a double oh, mask in a car is. by themselves. You know the mask in the car by themselves. But I'm talking Oh, that's about, even better. I'm talking a double mask in a car by themselves, and I'm talking about masks double so mask tight. mask in a car. So tight. Uh, These masks, they look like Voldemort. I'm serious. Yeah. Oh, like, I love are it. they defending themselves against themselves? No, uh, they're <laughs> proving that they cannot think for themselves at all. If they're double masked up in a car by themselves, they are so afraid of nothing that they, they've let logic go long ago. So that makes well, no sense. You're by yourself in a closed environment and double masked up. Well, that's, so that's the thing. The problem with slogans, the oh. problem with slogans is they, they, they're they there to reduce thought. So, and I hate to say this, and I'm not faulting any of you friends here who might be in the 12 Steps program, because on some levels it can do good. Uh, I can testify to my brother, but um, there are a lot of contradictions. There are a lot of contradictions well, in the 12 Steps program and um so they, one of the things they do are mantras oh i just i had to let go and let god that's one of the mantras well what if god says you need to drink a quart a day for 30 days then why you let go and let that? god right why would god say that he might why he might, he I, might. Don't I don't know maybe if he was doing some kind of experiment maybe that'd well, be a weird thing for god to say Mantras, when they get repeated, I know that they can be used like in um, these higher like states, of, but they yeah. can become meaningless, you know, like, yeah. like you know, trust well, science. If it I helps you, it's good. I trusted the science. Well, that's, and we all know this, it's, al it's almost becoming a mantra itself to say not trusting the science is part of science, but that is a fact. Science is always being revived. Science is ever ever evolving it's you should always be questioning the science and when i say science, science i just is. mean the scientific method i don't mean the yeah. scientific establishment who are i mean look what's that fuck i can't stand science um, would encourage being challenged that's what real science would do right but you have so many bought and paid for scientists now you know fauci and a million others yeah, it's um, well, Fauci. The fact that Fauci still holds a position and and is not in jail is is proof enough to me that nothing matters. No, I mean the, the you well, can get away with anything. And but here, I'm going to add this. So Fauci, 
Gates, Klaus Schwab, etc. As dark and crappy as they are, they're fall guys. You know that the real people will never have their names out in public like that. They're willing to sacrifice these people, and they will if they have to. Yeah. If the narrative's not going right, they're going to sacrifice. As soon as they need to. Yes. Yeah. And they enjoy a level of life. Yeah. Above. Oh, oh, yeah, they're paid well for, for the their beautiful... Uh, for sacrifice, being sacrificial lambs. Exactly. And the more prominent they are, the more of a sacrificial lamb they are. That's right. You know, like your so, Bill Gates's or your Zuckerbucks. When yeah. you watch Zuckerbuck being grown at a Senate hearing, how fucking terrified does he look? Like, is this it? Is this where they fucking sell me out? Like, he's, he's trying to sip water like a human. <laughs> is this it? Is this a knife in the back? Did I make them angry? My favorite meme is still that one. Mm. It shows a real pallid looking uh, Zuckerberg, you know, going. He looks like the guy in the movie that's trying hard not to be the villain. Or the in that villain. same fucking video that that meme is from, there's a guy behind him that looks like he's fucking steering him. Yeah, it looks like he's re controlling him like a remote, like oh. he's guiding his actions. Sean, you're always trying. Did you see that video? Yeah. No. We go. There's a guy behind him, and it Send looks it like every me. time Zuck reacts, I'll try to find it again. It's been a long time since I saw it, but in that same awkward water drinking video. There's a dude directly behind Zuckerbuck. And if you pay attention to him, it kind of looks like he's guiding Zuck. It's not it's, like it's not at all beyond the possibility of reality because when I, when I said you triggered me, what you made me think of were two videos. One of them is when Bill Clinton is on his original campaign to run for president. You've probably seen it. I have seen it. And they're powdering his out. face. Yeah. Yes. And he is like this. He's and I'm talking about for I like think. a minute. For sure. Like, oh, and then the other one is um, what's the Al Roker? Do you see the Al Roker? For there? sure. Yes, 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 yes. God. The trigger word is said and he goes blank. It's when they use he the words Holy out. Ghost, he suddenly zaps out. Yeah, he blanks it out. It is so creepy. Yeah. They, um, they're, they're victims of uh, mind control. That's they definitely mind control tactics. Really I mean, that's, that's well established mind control tactics. Well, people, people who say you can't use like um, hypnotherapy to manipulate somebody, bullshit. You can because you can place suggestions. That's what they did to Sirhan Sirhan. Okay, and I'm not even saying he was the shooter, but well, they with still, those situations though, the MK Ultra style, they break your mind. Yeah, and then yeah, rebuild it. Rebuild it. Well, they, they, they. Uh, so Kathy O'Brien, they basically splinter it. You know, they used to act like they didn't know what caused uh, uh, multiple personality or split personality disorder or whatever you want to call it. It's due to trauma. It's it's all a direct mm -hmm. result of massive disorder. sexual and physical trauma at an early age. Yeah. The mind creates the mind creates yeah. these alters to be able to deal with well, that's happening to her, but I'm yep. this person, so I can kind of look at it from like I'm watching a movie. It can know? happen on its own, do abuse. Yeah, and they can program those different alters to do whatever they need them to do. That's right. And that's, that's what happened with Matthew O'Brien and uh, many others. What's the other They one? never, ever stop doing that. No. You can name off a lot of names. Well, that's that's uh, that's the thing when uh, when they tell you like oh well MK Ultra got exposed well yeah they gave you a few tidbits and they did just 
They Most just, of that shit's redacted and blacked out. And, right, right, right. Yeah. They just moved on, changed the, changed the code. They didn't tell you anything. They told you anybody, what you already knew. Anybody gets something through the Freedom of Information Act, and they're all like, yeah. Well, like, when when MKUltra got, got exposed, there was an admitted shredding expo went on at CIA headquarters. So what didn't they, what they shred? You know, what'd you get to see? Did nothing. That's what they let you see. The shit I've you seen already knew. documents where everything but about one or two words is totally blind. Like, that and the shredding expo, you didn't see nothing. No. And they still haven't released it all to you. So I'm very suspicious of this whole so-called uh, UFO disclosure over the last couple of years. You know, I'm really suspicious of is uh, Greer. Um, you know, a lot of names. I don't, I'm so awful with names though. I might know these people if I saw their faces. Uh, Dr. Greer, there is something, I mean, just on, just like, can, you know, we get vibes off of people, right? You're at a oh, party. Yeah. You get vibes. I, and you probably can too, I get vibes of people even through the computer or through the television. I can pick up a vibe. Right. And Dr. Greer to me is a smarmy, sleazy guy who is raping children. I just get that total vibe off of him. You and do yet, get vibes off people for sure. I do. Yeah, the he's same. part of this whole UFO disclosure program. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And he's supposedly he's in contact with government officials who are leaking him stuff. Like, right. This is the next terrorist. This is the next. Uh, He's your you disinformation know. agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I can't think. Stephen Greer. Look him up. Stephen Greer. You'll you'll find tons. Um, and I do it. I told you that I found out about uh, that other guy through Project Camelot. Um, I always laugh when I think about it. there's a porn and they call Project Camelot. <laughs> That's a great porn name. That's anyway, great to do a parody of that. Not that I watch porn. What an obscure parody. Yeah, not of course not. You probably read about that. I really don't. But in I'm a, in a scientific me. article. To me, porn desensitizes males to any kind of normal sexual. Porn behavior. is pretty weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I look. I'm not saying don't do porn. Right. I think it's for an individual choice. I just think that. I saw what it did to a friend you know, of mine. but honestly, I feel like the act of sex is honestly weird if you break it down. Oh, cool. Yeah, I discovered honestly, it one weird, time having weird. sex while tripping on acid. Yeah, when, it's weird. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, don't even remind me of that. That was, and that was in the prime of my youth and it almost ruined me. Humanity's very, very mysterious. Yeah. Sleep is weird. So for, for 16 hours a day, we walk around doing shit and stuff, and then we go and lie down on this flat platform just, and we go into yeah. this other world yeah for four and then we get back up and we do it all over again it's just it's normal like, it's fucking crazy <laughs> it's crazy I, yeah but I'm you're more, not supposed to think about that stuff you start breaking it down and, and it's insane reality. i'm wanting to get back into to the idea of lucid dreaming because let me tell you now, now i'm a big that is something dreamer. i would love to know you you know how to do that you've done that no 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 i don't know how to do you it said get into it so you tried it right I've read about it. I've had it happen to me without trying. So let me give you some weirdness. One time I went into a dream. Yeah. I'll tell you. So one time I went into a dream. And in that dream, dreaming. I went to sleep and I fell down. And, did you ever see Inception? Yeah. So I went down into another dream level. And in the second dream level, I was lucid. I was aware I was in a dream. 
okay? And I was walking through this dark park, and there was a man with a coat and a hat, like a trench coat, sitting on a bench. And I looked at him, and he goes, you fucked up. You weren't supposed to look at me. you got to go back up to the next dream level immediately, which I did. But let me, this is really weird and kind of hard to explain. When I went back up to the first dream level, I was no longer lucid, which I couldn't know, of course. It wasn't until I woke up completely from the dream scenario that I knew I was lucid in dream level two and not in dream level one. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of crazy. You went to sleep in a dream and then lucid dreamed in the dream. In the second level. Yeah, that's crazy. Then you fucked it up right away. Do you know? Yeah, by looking at the guy, I was not supposed to look at him. I couldn't believe how quickly you fucked up. (laughs) I know. What a dumb. Were you mad at yourself for messing up? I was because I would. Yeah, I would have been too. All right. So it's like a type type of dream I suffer. It's not really a dream. It's called sleep paralysis or night terrors. It's when you're either going into sleep or coming out of sleep, you suddenly have a feeling. Everything is dark. You're, there's either something on your chest pushing you down further into the abyss. Yeah. Or you're aware of a presence near you. Plus, there's a horrible auditory aspect. Like with me, it's always the house is vibrating and shaking. Really? And you're pushing, being pushed down in the darkness. And what happens is because you're 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 trying to go into a dream, but part of you is trying to stay awake. You're trying to get your head up and go, if I could just get my head up, I could get out of this nightmare. And you can't. It, it makes the worst regular nightmare look like child's play. You know what they that did, sounds like? It they sounds did a like, whole documentary on it. Well, in, then maybe that answered this question. It sounds like you're becoming aware of yourself leaving the conscious plane. I don't know. But I they, think that's what it is. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like your other level of your brain is is realizing what's happening. It like, is, I'm slipping away. It is horrifying. And they speculate now that people describing uh, stories of incubus and succubus attacks is possibly going through sleep paralysis. I was married to a succubus. <laughs> I was. Lucky, lucky you. She's a succubus. <laughs> she lucky is. you. So... Um, but what I'm getting at is only through study online, I have found that these people that do this, there's you can you can lucky me. You can do a way to induce sleep paralysis, okay? Which why would anybody do that? Like why would anybody swim in a river with Nile crocodile? You can induce it. Why would you yeah, can, exactly? Why would you right, do that? So here's the thing: you can induce it, and there's apparently a pivotal point when you're falling into it. Where you can do something to then go into a lucid dream. You, oh, like shit. it's a real dangerous thing. You either fall into the that is flirting with disaster. But they say if you can do it correctly, you can then go into a lucid dream, which you can control the action and have anything you want in the dream, which is apparently supposed to have beneficial um residuals for your so-called waking state. It better because that's a ballsy fucking but I'm dance. terrified because I know what these sleep paralysis is like. I don't want to skirt that it film and fail and go into. That yeah. sounds like a scary ass feeling. Cause like yeah. I have this other thing that I thought you were going to say where, you know how you're not supposed to move when you're sleeping. Yeah. Well, sometimes I do like, and I'll punch is what I tend to do. Cause oh, I have no. this recurring nightmare where I need to punch and I can't. And I'll try to real hard to move my arm and I'll in real life punch. And I'll, I'll I've hit Babos a couple times. 
<laughs> she'll like smack me all Sean, of a sudden in the middle of the Sean, night like you fucking hit me Sean but, you're yeah. mirroring what has happened to me in, in the worst way I've had two incidences where because I will fight back in dreams sometimes yeah when I got an adversary mm -hmm. and I woke up one time when my child Elliot who is six now y'all saw him earlier was like two and I had punched him on the head and I was freaking out. And then I woke him up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, do I need to go to the hospital? And he he looked at me, he smiled, and he was fine. I was like, and just a few months ago, I was trying to keep somebody off of me and I had my hands around his chest squeezing. It is the most frightening thing. You know what I do now? Because see, he still likes to, he'll go in his own bed, but then the middle of the night, He's six years old. I was the same way when I was six because I was terrified of ghosts. I would get up and jump in my parents' bed. So he gets in between me and mom. You know what I do now? I turn my back to him. So if something happens, my arms are going over here. Try to protect yourself from it. Yeah. You know, there is a case of a man who stabbed his wife to death and her parents. Oh, now you're scaring me. Through drinking. And her parents. Yeah, I, I he got up and kept stabbing. Well, no, he got in his car and drove it. in a sleepwalking state. He slept and then killed the parents. His his his. I don't his, know uh, if I'm believing this guy. No, it's a real. No, it's a documented story. Now I may be mixing up some of the yeah. details. Maybe he didn't kill the wife. How are you gonna sleep drive? Well, I guess it'd be no different. Well, think about it. My brother, my twin brother used to drives, sleepwalk. My brother used to sleepwalk. He would get up and he'd be like, "Mom, mom, where are you?" I'd be right in front of him. His eyes are open, not closed. I'm like, Ken, I'm right here. He's navigating the steps somehow. He's not falling down the steps. So somehow it is fascinating. there's I've an automatic pilot that kicks in. And this guy wild. apparently drove to his in-law's house and That's stabbed crazy. him to death. Yeah. Stabbed the wife first, right? And I don't look, there. it's been so long. I've look people maybe it was second he stabbed the wife. don't know that he killed the wife maybe he left her alone and just went and killed the alone i hate that you get stuck like that you worry so much that we're going to get graded after the show well because i don't I haven't read about this for like 20 years. <laughs> yeah but it's okay well i don't want somebody calling me out for being a fraud this You're just so came out of memory you know what i mean i try to be a storyteller but i try to admit where my weakness is i know i was teasing oh, you I know. I know i was just teasing <laughs> It's funny to me that you're so worried. Like you even you even do it with names. I'm insecure. No, I'm no, no. You just really worried about getting the details right, which is admirable. Yeah. I worry yeah. about that stuff too. Well, think about this. Everything we talk about, everything we talk about, is based on memory. And everything yeah. we know now know about memory is even recent memories. Our brain is constantly re-editing our memories to fit our current narrative of life. So I can tell a story from three weeks ago or 25 years ago, and it may resemble what happened. The only time you can kind of honestly say, well, it's true is when you get corroboration from other people who were there, you know? Right. And even then, you, if you want to go quantum physics, how do you know those people are even real? Your friends, are they real? You know what I like? They're just really there as another figment of your imagination. <laughs> I know this is going down a dark rabbit hole, but it's like all that shit has to be considered, you know? Right. I, that's no, what torments my mind overall is am I just walking around? Did you ever watch The Truman Show? I love The Truman Show. God, one of my favorite movies of all time.
by the time that movie was over, I was sitting on the coffee table right in front of the TV. Like I was almost holding the TV. I love that fucking movie. Oh yeah. I'm I'm watching the movie and I'm looking over my shoulder. <laughs> I was moved by that movie. Like nothing that movie spoke to me. Well, it's so it's it's got so much symbolism. God, it obvious clearly is linked to God, you know. Full of it. Um you ever nature, felt that way though? Did you relate to that movie in that way? Did it? Touch I relate to that way? movie in such a deep way that it just it touched me. The it was like I just fake. I felt like Sean by watching that movie, I just leveled up three notches just by watching it. I was I was in tears at the end. Yes, me too. That movie, I, I was, I still, I'm getting moved thinking about it. Like yeah. it's just the world feels that way. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Sea Haven. Sea Haven's town. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That work is a classic. It's hard to believe it's 20, is it 24 years old now? Really? Yes. I remember where I was when I watched that movie. That movie's like my Kennedy assassination. No, yeah. Deep, but I was really moved by that movie. 9 11 is my Kennedy assassination. No, 9-11's mine too, but yeah. I was I was teasing. But no, no, no. I do it, really it, remember oh, no, where I was. Gal- I remember was Gal- watching Gal- that movie. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, it was yeah. Gal- I, was Gal- I know mind. where I was. Mm-hmm. I was in a, a duplex apartment in Athens, Georgia. Uh, I even remember the road name, Lavender Lakes. You know. I literally was. I was sitting on the coffee. I started on the couch, and I ended up on the coffee table, like right in front of the TV, like just. Trans. The, the movie when he's walking up the yes. stairs and he goes yes. out, and I, I'm just fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's heavy. And I've always known this is bullshit. What I'm being told is a lie, and there's truth somewhere. And to me, that door was his truth. Like, remember, go get it, man. Yeah, go find yeah. out. Everybody's in on it. Yeah. Everybody. Right. And everybody yeah. is. That's what I mean. They don't even know they're in on it. Yeah. You know, it's but not what? as dark as his friend sharing a six-pack. Oh, a my room, God. Out by knowing the he's lying to him. Knowing it's not that dark. Lying. He doesn't know. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting point made. So if you pull up and I, once again, I I don't make a lot of recommendations, but I'm going to make another one here. There's an author uh, that goes under the pseudonym of Jed McKenna. Um, If you pull up the name Jed McKenna Truman show, there's a, it's an excerpt from one of his books. It does a 14 minute analysis of the Truman show and it brings out things that are amazing. Like, even though these guys are in on the joke and he's not, Truman is actually the one who's starting to wake up. He's the one who's found, as I, and I'm paraphrasing from that video, who found a loose thread and had the purity of intent to keep tugging to find out where it's going. The people who think they're in on the joke have not done the homework he's done. By the end, he knows who he is. They are now just ghosts right. in his life. So I highly recommend you going Jed McKenna on YouTube, Jed McKenna, Truman Show. You will not be disappointed. The analysis is amazing. That just blew my mind about that scene that I was just describing with the best friend. Yeah, best friend is more what you just said changed it for me into his best friend trying to hold on to his place in his life. Exactly. Like you have to fucking stay here or I'm nothing. 
Yes, exactly. They're all relying on Truman now to keep their lives intact. The wife, oh my God, she did such an amazing job of this horrified, panicked woman who didn't want to be there, but it was her job, you know, and it's like, yeah. I can't take this kind of unprofessionalism anymore. Right. And she's doing these, they're doing their own sponsored ads. Remember that? So yeah, she's like uh -huh. the slicer, the duck. Like, who are you talking to? Who the hell are you talking to? Oh my God. <coughs> so brilliant. I mean, that movie is brilliant. It is, it is. one of my top Five. I would love to see that breakdown. So I'm going to look that up for sure. Yeah, Jed McKenna, um, Truman Show. Yeah, Jed McKenna is a pseudonym. The guy has written these books about spiritual warfare. He is brilliant. He is brilliant. And I, I thought that the, the videos were being narrated by the guy that's Jed McKenna, but it's actually a fan who does these expert excerpts of his books. Oh, this really? guy's got an excellent speaking voice. He's got one of those incredible, like you do, these amazing. You should okay. be doing voiceovers. I'm serious. I'll, I'm trying. I put myself on this little app thing for finding work for that. But no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm You've flirting with it. I'm trying to find out how to get work doing it. Yeah, you. Yeah, I'm serious. And this guy's got one of those voices. It's just a certain sound. There's not any one sound for voiceovers, but there are certain sounds where like. I love hearing the, you know, like the Morgan Freeman thing, you know. Right. I mean? My wife's got a favorite uh, narrator of audiobooks that she likes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I know she she said his name to me. She's like, I love any book written by, read by this yeah. guy. I know. Right, so right. she likes a certain dude. I know what you mean. Yeah. So, yeah, the guy is, so it's just a fan. Uh, I think his actual, like his, uh, I don't remember. I what actually like, uh, I listened to a lot of audiobooks when I was listening to Stephen King a lot at work. When I was working overnights and some of his, he reads, he reads them himself. And oh, he's really? really good at it. I, I like him. Yeah. He, he actually even does good voices, but you know what he said he would do him and his, him and his sons or his boys, son, children, I should say. I think he has a daughter too. I'm really not sure. Now I'm worrying about details, but what he said he would do anyway is they would make a game of making him audiobooks. This is before audiobooks existed. So he would travel a lot and the kids would make him an audiobook to listen oh. to. Oh, so okay. They would That's make cool, dad audiobooks. They would record them reading an audio uh, a book and then he could listen to it as he drove to places. I think they're great. I, I do. And that's He's an awesome. Good at it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that audiobooks are great. Like, oh yeah, I get these like you need to read it yourself. I'm like, no, it's, it's I like audiobooks. You can't read while you drive and you better not be. Right. Yeah. No, and they're good. I you're like getting audiobooks. this this wonderful narration coming through, and yet you're still just getting the words. So just like any other book, you're still free to use your imagination to interpret the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're great. I like audiobooks. Yeah. Uh, well, I, they, they change the experience a little bit too because it, it forces you to listen to it at the pace that the narrator is reading it. Yes. Instead of yeah. taking it in at the pace, like eating it up as fast as you want, you got to slow down. Even when intense moments are happening, you can't skip ahead a page. You yeah. have to wait until the narrator says the words. I. It's intense, kind of read listening to. Yeah. It. So it keeps Almost you there. Reader, yeah. yeah. You know what I was kidding. And it was long before, so like I'm one of these guys like, oh, back in my day, you know, but when I was a kid, this was already ancient, but we still had a thing called Radio Mystery Theater, which was started in the early 1900s. But in the 1970s, it was still running. And I would 
get over to my friend Patrick's house with his brother Chris and Mark, his brother, and we would turn on the radio at night and just turn out lights and listen. You know, it was yeah. it was awesome. I couldn't believe a show from the early 1900s was still surviving into the 70s. You know, right? That is pretty neat. Um, you know, storytelling to me is, I think, the two most defining aspects of this illusion or whatever you want to call it that we're going through are stories, one, and games. Okay. Everything is a game. Whenever somebody says, Oh, you're trivial, trivia, triv, what's the word, Sean? Trivializing. Trivializing it by calling it a game. I'm like, no, everything is a game. There is a game of love. There is a game of life. There is a game of work. It's how you play it. And we are obsessed with games. So when we think about games, think about this. Like, I love chess. And like any other game, chess has a set of rules. And in these rules, there are things you're allowed to do and things you are not allowed to do. And that's what makes it fun. If you are allowed to do everything, then it wouldn't be any fun because there'd be no challenge. Like, right. well, I just declare my board to have, you know, 16 queens right off the gate, right? Right. Um so limitation is a thing we seek out because it challenges us. We need structure. Stories are the things we identify with. To me, when we when we mix our love for stories with our desire for games, that defines the human species. You know, that defines us. It's like I don't want to say it limits us, but we are we are limited. You know, whereas whatever, if there is a life force that's in that's housing or being housed by our bodies, maybe that life force is completely unlimited. So it gets bored. So let me manifest in a human body where there are limitations, like a game of chess, so I can experience limitation and experience emotional extremes and, you know, all the other stuff. I mean, I'm just riffing here. But, that's interesting, there. You know? Yeah. Um, I think there's so much more to reality than we'll ever really understand. And oh, it's yeah. fascinating yeah. to explore all the possibilities. I, know. I think it's fun to explore different ideas like this, like this whole series that we do. Yeah, me too. Series. It's neat, these kind of things. That's why I like, and I like the way you handle it. I like that you give all the angles. Like when you were telling those stories earlier, you told even the the boring, mundane examples. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably Which may be the actual story. likely story. Yeah, right. But it's interesting to break those things down, you know. And I kind of think that way too, where I try to break things down to like a grain of rice, just to the simplest form, and try to understand yeah, what, it what, makes, what seems to make the most sense. But most times, don't you come up with the consensus that you're not ever able to get to that? Yes, and yeah, so it's always like well, and, and so that's things. what the Bigfoot topic is doing for me. It's yeah. showing me that even though in many aspects of life you can boil it down and, and rid yourself of a lot of foolishness, there is an element out there, and it's not just Sasquatch. For me, it's just Sasquatch because that's where I'm putting myself. Right. It shows you, oh, there's a lot more going on than you know about. There's a lot more. And, you know, so much more in the world. And that's what makes it fun. You know, God knows if, if I thought this was only the nuts and bolts reality, this is all we had. And on top of that, we got these dictatorial rulers. I would have, I would have, I would just, you know, like screw yeah. and I would have just, you know, maybe go to screw one is lower your vibration and make you forget. Yeah. Try state killing spray. Yeah. 
Well, this has been a very good installment, I think. Is there anything you want to cover tonight before we wrap up this? No, I think I think we got overall. I want to remind Well, I want to remind y'all to think about that mystery of my deer fencing, how it got brought down. We gotta solve this. Yeah, figure out who's I'll drawing probably have to your shower. The next install. I'll get pictures. That's a creepy. If something look, that part is what's creepy to me. That something would come into your shower and draw a picture for you. So, Sean, I can say with assurance, I didn't do it. Right, and Stacy didn't do it. Yeah, Gilead didn't do it. So, it's clearly you can see, you can even see the streak marks. It's clearly an articulation done with what. To me, it looks like Boba Fett, but it clearly looks like Boba Fett to me. It's not like it's vaguely Boba Fett. Does Boba Fett have a trunk? Because it looks like yeah, a trunk. Well, Boba Fett's got that part in his mask that comes down like this. Okay. See, I'm yeah, not, it's got I'm that not element Star in it. Wars savvy. Yeah. Come on. You don't know Fett, man? Come on. The Boba Fett's my got son. that line down his mask. And that's defense. what it reminds me of because it's got like the eye holes don't match Boba's mask, but the yeah. line does. And I'm my, like, That's my son loves loves it. Okay. Well, so. this Sasquatch is a fan of Star Wars. I'm telling you. There you go. I, 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 uh, I love science fiction, but I'm just being honest. I just never. You never got it. into Star Wars? I just, for some reason, I didn't. I Was watched Star the Trek movie. your jam, though? Yes. A lot of times it's that way. It's either Star Trek the or Star Wars. The first one and the second generation. The yeah, next I don't know why. They, they even joke about that. In, in cartoons, they'll make fun of that. That like yeah. you either like Star Wars or Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you're smarter. Maybe that's what it is. More intelligent kids uh, choose Star Trek, and the the little simpletons like me, where you go. No, with Star I don't Wars, know. I think those things are way more. Lightsabers are bright and shiny. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, think, I think the Star Wars stuff's way more intricately involved now. I saw uh, a theory that Yoda is actually a shitty Jedi, and it kind of blew my mind. Oh, really? That he's actually the worst Jedi. Oh wow! See, but that's that a cool. weird theory. But it is cool stuff. Like you know, there was a point in my life because one of my favorite films of all time is Blade Runner, um, and I didn't do any internet researching. For some reason, I just suddenly got into my head that Deckard was a replicant, and I googled it, and it's like it's all over the internet. Of course, he's a replicant. Don't <laughs> you know? You don't right. get that. And they show all these reasons. The only reason I even thought it because there was one point when she's looking at him and his eye does this glow that is unnaturally human. And th but then they point out other details about it that, that were like hints that that they they got that he was a replicant. I'd have to go back over it. But yeah, I, you know I've never seen that movie. Oh God, Sean! I'm always recommending movies like an asshole, but you. Groundhog Day, you've probably seen that. You've mm -hmm. seen the Truman Show. Yep. Office Space. Yep. Big Lebowski. Yep. Blade Runner. Dude. Never seen it. Oh my God. It's, 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 Don't you hate that when you love a movie and you tell somebody about it and they're like, I've never no, seen it? No, I get excited because then I can say, see it. I'd like to. I do kind of too, but I'm like, how in the hell have you not seen it? Well, you know, it was a sleeper. It wasn't a hit when it came out. It really wasn't. And it's not like some action-packed movie now it does have violence and has shooting and all that but it's not like balls to the wall the whole time it's, it's a lot more dialogue and stuff going on and uh, really but it's also the landscape the dark futuristic landscape that it's film noir in color in the future that's why it's so intriguing you know it's right. still amazing we're now past 2019 
which was when it was set, it is still amazing, you know? Yeah. And we're going there, you know? In some ways, we've well, surpassed Some it. dystopian nightmares certainly seem so. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, man, I had a great time with you tonight. Me too, Sean. I really love this series. I do too. I, I can't wait to hear what we get into on the next one because it sounds like it's going to have something to do with aliens or ghosts. I think by this time I will be able to shape out the ghost thing enough to be able to bring really good, credible stories that are not, once again, like I said, unfortunately, we live in the time where, you know, you can't even trust when you see a politician on the TV talking that that's really happening. It, it can be right with deep fakes and shit. But deepfakes. when you get to ghost, man, I'll probably be able to contribute a little because my mom lived in a haunted house. Cool. She well, believed in ghosts. She has awesome. some cool ghost stories. So I can I can chip in on that one. Awesome. All right, man. We will definitely do it, guys. Well, a month from now. So I'll, mm -hmm. I'll tell you the date. I'll figure it out, and I'll get with you. Okay. But thank you so much for doing this series. I love doing this with you. It's cool thank to hang so out with you. I love you, brother. And I love you, too. I appreciate it. All right, appreciate you guys. Is there anything you want to tell us about before huh? you go? Is there anything you want to say or tell anybody about? Or? Well, i got my new hot sauce line coming out. Uh, it's I, coming by, out now? By the next show. I hope to have it by the next show. I will. Pop a little bottle in there. I'm going to do a. I'm, That'd be cool. And if you guys want to get in on it, I'm going to do a pepper counting contest. I've got the photograph of the peppers. I saw that. So I'll, re, yeah. I'll reintroduce the peppers and I'll get it's, it's it's a price is right rules closest without going over. Okay. okay. And the closest without going over will get my main bottle of hot sauce, an extra, extra bottle that's off 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 a fermented tabasco sauce that i've done that blows regular tabasco away and a t-shirt um, nice so when that happens i'll do i'll do the whole thing i'll let you know right on um, cool that'll be fun just something for fun obviously to draw business for myself um well i'm but, excited for you that's awesome man yeah yeah so i hadn't been able to get out in the woods lately who knows maybe in the spring you know but life yeah, happens when probably you hard in the winter though isn't it I mean, I, it's it's not even just the winter. It's just it's been shit going on, and um, uh, I mean, good shit. I don't mean bad shit or anything. Right. Like that. It's life, not good or yeah, bad. Neutral, good, away. bad, the whole gamut, you know. Mm -hmm. Lots of going on. And uh, um, yeah, I just uh, just hadn't done it. It's just been at the house and doing my thing and working on the sauce and the promotions. So well, all right. yeah, that's about it. Well, there's not much that I needed to tell everybody about either. Uh, I told them at the beginning, there's the Valentine's Jank on Monday. You got to come okay. to that. Me and Paul are going to have a Valentine's Day show. What time? Uh, 10 a.m. Eastern is the morning yank. Okay. Every Monday morning. Okay. And then we're going to start doing this show three days a week again. Okay. So, well, we used to do five, but we're going to do three now. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That was my only news. So. Sure. I want to thank everybody for watching and contributing and sharing this out and thank Philip for doing it with us. And I'll see you guys Monday night. Yep. Thank you, Sean. Night. Thank Joan, Lee, Lolly, everybody else who was there. I really appreciate y'all being here. All I appreciate right, you, yeah. Sean. I appreciate awesome. you. I appreciate all everybody you just named off and all of you guys. You guys all have a great night. See you guys later. Good night. Bye-bye.